This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, if you could please introduce yourself. I am Dan, the comic book man. Dan, the comic book man is here, and he demanded he be here, because we are- be allowed to be here. We were it. talking. Uh, we're talking about his one of his favorite, if not his favorite, current running superhero comic book show. We are covering Umbrella Academy season three, which, as this episode drops in podcast form, would have only been out for one week. <laughs> but we wanted to get in ahead of it because, bro, it's nonstop after this. We have the boys. We have Superman and Lois. We have Miss Marvel, Thor: Love and Thunder, all in the she upcoming Hulk. weeks. Yeah, She Hulk, which drops in August. All this stuff coming fast and loose. And uh, we wanted to make sure we gave Umbrella Academy the time that it deserved instead of just um, trying to fit it in a couple months after the fact. Figure we get it done early so that when people are done binging, boom, you just pop in, you microwave an episode of the podcast. It's already done. You enjoy it and and all will be that. Um, Umbrella Academy was something that kind of blew me away when I first watched it. Uh, those first two seasons were really, really good. And then this season three had a bunch of things that it had to get handled. Um, some stuff that we'll talk about with Elliot Page. Um, the actual pandemic and being filmed during a pandemic. If you watch any of the footage of the stuff that they shot, they're all wearing the masks and social distancing. Um, it also has to compete with every single thing out now. Every single Marvel DC property. Things like the boys that we're talking about before. in the making, though. We're talking two years. This season is two full years since that bonkers, bonkers cliffhanger of where we left off. And I just want everybody that can see on the live, because we are live. I can't see you, but I know you're there, you beautiful people. You can already see what sits <laughs> on my wrist. Yes, he's this, showing this, off his umbrella at Academy. Uh, yeah, for the listeners. Tattoo. Not for the creeps. The, oh, for yeah. the, so this is definitely my favorite comic book show of all time and it's it felt so good to be back just seeing all their faces hearing their voices the names the outfits just everything just felt right again the whole world just felt a little (laughs) better just just a tiny bit better from the shit we have been going through that can totally be true you know these these um shows when done well can be comforts and all it takes sometimes is the opening strings of your favorite tv theme song to bring you right back to watching those episodes and it did feel a bit like it's been a while 
But me and you spoke a bit off air about this, this, the idea that um, because Umbrella drops all of its episodes in one day, we usually are done with it in a couple of days. And then we speak about it as we've done with ep- uh, seasons one and two on this very podcast. But once we're done with it, we there's rarely a reason to speak about it again. Um, it's not, it doesn't speak to the quality of the show. It doesn't speak to uh, the quality of the storytelling. It's just uh, a side effect of binging where you take in all this content and all of a sudden it kind of just come, you know, goes out of your ear. But like you said, I very much appreciated coming back to this world. Um, there's certain things that I forgot and definitely certain things I remembered. I heard a bunch of people say things about, um, you know, the recap that they didn't find it too helpful. <laughs> the, what, the Netflix recap of uh, where we got left off and stuff. Um, oh, yeah. No, you would have to literally re-binge the show or at least the final episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, for the most part, you get that final episode and you're you're in a pretty good spot with this. Um, I've seen people say that season two is way better than this season. I am one of the dark horses that I'm not a big fan of season two. Maybe you can talk me into it on this podcast. Um, in my opinion right now, it probably it probably goes three, one, two. Um, but I respect I think all it's it's like 95s to 85s if, if you're talking no, about like test scores it's it's really more so it's like the first half of season that the latter half of season one the first half of season two all of season three is how i well like i think the the best parts of the show is of yeah. the series like once five kills all of the, the board members in season two the show really kind of does a bit nose dive Right. In a wonky way. And with, um, what's it called? With Umbrella Academy, with uh, season one, it really took a bit for it to kick off. Like the second time I watched it, when I had to write the article, I kind of realized that that, that that first season, at least the first three episodes kind of, not dragged, but they don't, they, they don't really get to where my level of, my level of love for Umbrella get, comes to. Like once we get to like the days that never happened and the days yeah. that did happen, that's it. I'm I'm into that show, rest of the way through. Yeah, and you know me, majority of what drives me with these shows is, is the villain, right? And I didn't think Leonard was all that great in season. Oh no, one. terrible, terrible. Um, in season two, it's like the Swedes and the Handler, which I thought was a bit better, but I think a second raising of Hargreaves children as the villains. It's such a, it's such a funny and kind of just poignant, um, a, a set of villains in this, and we're going to get hot and heavy into the spoilers. But before we do that, we wanted to give those who haven't seen the show an opportunity to hear our thoughts about, you know, a bit, a bit of a spoiler filled, a spoiler free review. So I'll go ahead and I'll start and I'll give my opinions and keep it as spoiler free as possible. Um, I thought this season was a lot of fun. This, this show shows the best of ensemble um, casts, uh, ensemble projects, whatever you want to call that. Um, we're seeing a group of individuals, actors, who have become familiar with not only themselves, but th- their interactions with other actors playing those characters. Everyone feels lived in, finally. Everyone feels like 
their character and they know it to the T and the inflections, all that stuff. It's like you said, when the show starts up again um, and it's really easy to fall right back in because one, you're falling right back in from a cliffhanger from season two. And secondly, they know their characters so well that it, it fits like a glove. Um, it's it's crazy. I'll say on the offset, it's it's crazy to me that these actors aren't doing more. I, I the fact that uh, Klaus, I think is uh is it Ryan's? I was gonna say Ray Seahorn, but it's very it's very similar to that. It's um uh, Robert Sheehan. <laughs> Robert Sheehan, the fact that he's not in more things, like I'm I'm watching the man act and I'm like trying to cast him. I'm like, he's got like a nightcrawler build. I wonder if he could do a, a German accent. <laughs> you know, um uh Klaus still my favorite. I have a secret MVP that I will I'll save for spoilers. Somebody who who freaking jumped past the rankings. And somebody who's always been dead last and finds a way to stay dead last in this season. And I've already seen some online chatter that they're not very happy with a certain character's uh, stuff. And we're here to talk about all of that. We're, we're here to chop up all that stuff, which we liked, what we didn't. And it's not, you know, just because I hated something, you might have loved it and vice versa. But that's what I think the show is great at. There's so many different aspects of this show that anyone can find something to like one character to hold on to one story thread to follow through and it keeps you interested throughout where i felt like for the most part um they couldn't direct the traffic well in the first season like if one person was doing something we followed them for the whole episode because we didn't have time to direct the traffic in this season it felt very well well uh directed very well uh paced oh no it it it, it went like, like it knew where it had to go and how it had to be and it didn't stop for one second yeah i i could argue that there's a mystery that gets on that gets solved about i would say the third or fourth episode it exists in episode one but it doesn't get resolved until about, about the fourth episode and while that probably could have been sped up a bit um the time that we took to establish the other things in the series, like meeting characters, finding out motivations, um, and and putting the pieces on the board, that when we find when we found out what was actually going on, things went off. Like I, I one point I'm watching the show and I'm like, I totally don't have to finish this now. <laughs> like I have time to finish it for the podcast, but I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm 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 knee deep. I want to know what happens next, and so I just I was able to finish it all on Friday for the most part. Um, yeah. which was, which was, um, which was fun, but in, in my opinion, yeah, it came out Wednesday. It, yeah, it came out Wednesday. That's right. It came out Wednesday and I threw it on at six o'clock in the afternoon and I didn't finish till around like, yeah, like three, four o'clock in the morning. Like yeah. I, I did the whole fucking, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. Even when I wanted to stop. I stopped for about five minutes, so smoked a cigarette, watched a reaction on YouTube to something else. And I'm like, I don't even want to watch this reaction. I put, I put out the cigarette. I went back to my bed. And I'm like, no, I want to just continue watching this. This is too good because finally we have a bad guy. That's not even a bad guy. It's just a temporal vortex. It's just a, a, a paradoxical anomaly that's just destroying all of reality. 
Right. Uh, I mean, th this family just can't seem to get rid of apocalypses. Apocalypse. Nope. Apocalypse. Uh, apocalypse. <laughs> um, but uh, in my opinion, I think the show is totally worth it. If you're if you're watching or even if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you've watched the first two seasons. Um, those who may if you were like me and you felt season two was lacking a bit, um, I think this is a return to form. If you thought season two was great this may not hit those highs but it is serviceable it is definitely a serviceable chapter and i like where everyone is now on the board whereas before um i, I was it was still up in the air um the like you said that that cliffhanger for season two is big and it kind of gets resolved a bit a bit quickly and like i said we're keeping it spoiler free but um yeah like they they knew where they were doing and and um the last thing that i'll say is that one of the things that I think shows in this is that the showrunner says that they kind of want to close the book on this at season four. And um, you can see, you can almost feel that certain people are reaching the ends of their arc or their, their, oh, their. Like, um, like, like, uh, there's a, just, there's maybe, I would see, I was, when, when, when it came to the end of it, I'm like, there's at least three characters that don't have to come back next season. Yeah. Like yeah. at least three characters can just go, hundred percent. And you wouldn't miss them. I mean, you would miss them, but it wouldn't be missed within the the conclusion of that story. Right. And we've talked off air that these things don't have to go on forever. You know, if you can tell a tight story, if you can make send a message, if all of that can be encapsulated in a sh short amount of time, then get that done. But um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, can you give your spoiler-free review for the people who might be on the fence about turning into Umbrella Academy Season 3? Why should they put this in uh, as a priority in front of everything else that is out right now? Because it has, it, it has the best parts of the boys and the best parts of Doom Patrol, and it does all of their faults better, especially Doom Patrol. And I love Doom Patrol with all of my heart. But there was a lot of faults in season three, and this season had no faults, like, at all. I could not think of one arc, one moment that didn't seem like it made sense to the story. Like, whether or not I hated the decision, it still made sense to the story. There was nothing here that was like, oh, this, this, this makes no sense. Like, there were so many reveals, so many plot twists and turns, characters that finally got to shine albeit different universes but finally got to shine yeah like we like we, we basically waited four years for a lot of these characters to be what they were meant to be yeah yeah and um i think i think the show has gained a lot of good faith it's done a lot of good in the past two seasons that even the parts, like you said, that would be a bit frustrating, you're willing to go along with because you know these people, you know these characters. And so it's a lot easier to deal with their imperfections, but we are all imperfect as people. So it's almost, like you said, it, it becomes a character study uh, at points. And, and I guess that's what the show kind of wrestles with. It wrestles with being narrative driven and and being a character study and i guess you can't be narrative driven unless you pick one narrative to kind of drive right and then everybody else is kind of in the back seat and when you have an ensemble like this like when the credits roll um elliot page is up front and center she, um they are the headliner of this 
and like I said again, I didn't realize there was so much, so many actors in this with a with that haven't had as much big screen experience um, as Elliot. But now moving forward, it's hard to argue that a lot of these people are ready for the big time, man. A lot of people, a lot of these people here are ready for the uh, for prime time, and I think that. Um, a season four, a tightly written season four without COVID restrictions, without any um, hoopla, I think could really, you can you can put a bow on what could possibly go down as a perfect series of television. If, like if they can do season four right, and I have all the faith in the world that they could. And so I don't want to, I don't want to say that there's a possibility that they can't. I mean, there is a possibility that they can go down. You know, a lot of good shows did it that way, but like, you know, Breaking Bad, Leftovers, these shows put a light, nice little knot on their show. And I, I want Umbrella Academy to be up there. Yeah. And I, I think it's different enough from the Gerard Way stuff um, that you could enjoy both independently. I don't think I don't think the show spits in the face of the source material. Um, it's hard for me to say that the show is three dimensional because I don't think that the comic is two dimensional. But I do think that the show takes its depths a bit deeper than the comic did. It's in the same way that we talk about off air with the boys. Well, 100%, but the, the, so that was the thing is the comics was more of like a, a, a young adult goth superhero genre. Yes. Like these characters were drawn. They were all drawn like a, like a milky gray blue. Yeah. Sickly, and they were, they were drawn like caricatures, a lot of them, not like actual people, which is why Space Boy works better in the <laughs> comic than he does in the uh, in the show. But, you know. Well, I, I, like you couldn't do that touch without without proper Space Boy, so I forgive it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but, yeah, I think that, I think we yeah, you guys heard it from the horse's mouth. We definitely recommend the series. And um, now we are heading into full spoiler territory. So if you have not seen The Umbrella Academy Season 3, kindly switch this off. Come back. uh, Listen to it. We're actually live on Facebook right now currently. So if you're digging that, um, watch us there. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to get into full spoiler territory for Umbrella Academy Season 3. As you guys know, The Umbrella Academy is an American superhero television series based on the comic book series of the same name written by Gerard Way and illustrated by Gabriel Ba. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, it is published by Dark Horse Comics, created for Netflix by Steve Blackman and developed by Jeremy Slater. It revolves around a dysfunctional family of adopted sibling superheroes who reunite to stop the apocalypse. Um, now, we're, what I love is that the, sh- what the show starts with a, a retelling of the very famous um, beginning of this show and the beginning of this series, where on October 1st, 1989, 16 women around the world give birth, despite none of them being pregnant when the day began. Eccentric billionaire Sir Reginald Hargreaves adopts six of the children, Marcus, Ben, Faye, Alfonso, Sloan, and Jamie, as well as a cube named Christopher, and builds them into a competent and popular superhero team dubbed the Sparrow Academy. And that kind of starts, the series starts right where we left off with um, both <laughs> teams inside uh, Umbrella Manor. What do you want to call this? Hargreaves? Hargreaves Manor? Uh, they call it I the Academy, it, right? 
Yeah, it's just the academy. Yeah, so they're both they... in the academy. Yeah. Um, they are. The Umbrella siblings return from their adventures in Dallas to find themselves in an altered timeline where they've been replaced by the Sparrows. Uh, unbeknownst to them, a fiery ball of energy has formed in the basement of the academy, and the Umbrellas try to their best to explain themselves, why they're there, why they keep calling Reginald father, and all that kind of stuff. And they end up in a fight with the Sparrows, but not before one of them shows their very particular skills. Would you like to take some time to talk about the Sparrows, sir? Oh, man. These are some of the freakiest superpowers that should just not exist in any way shape or form like how do you truly fight someone who can like re redistribute punches from himself to you like first of all i don't even know how that works um what did you think of the retelling of this origin with new with new people in it i had to remember that it wasn't that that the 16 people is new because I could have sworn it was like 42 women around the world. I or something. feel like it might have been something higher. They said 16 this time, right? Yeah. And I could have sworn that, that it was like in the 40s of the women around the world. And of those all those 40, he only got like seven. It right. was like chicks denied him. I got to double check that. I know that now with the math that we have here, you can account for 13? Because you can't count Ben on theirs. So if you don't count Ben on theirs, then they're 13 kids. Um, and then I think Lila would make 14. So I'm looking it up now because that shit is killing me. Yeah. It was 43. It was? It was 43 women around the world. And but in, in this retelling, it ended up being 16, right? Yeah. And what do you think are the, are the implications of that? Oh, um, well, because we're in the spoiler section now. Yeah. Harley killed them, remember? Yes, but that wouldn't, he, what, like, that only he was, accounts he for. He was connecting to the um, to the Umbrella Academy, or, like, he was, like, connecting, I think, it, or he, he was specifically just connecting to Victor and trying to look for Victor. He felt like different women giving birth because, his mother no, died. To totally, but he he took them out. That'd be seven out of forty-three. I well, it's seven and then another seven, so fourteen. Yeah, that's not even half. He would have to have killed twenty-seven chicks at once. Right, and everyone but the sparrows. That doesn't feel. That doesn't seem like that would make sense. So, someone killed twenty-seven. So we know those women died. Someone killed twenty-seven women. Well, we don't know if the 27 women died. We just don't know that the 27 kids didn't get born. No, it's just, it's just weird that it's only of that they went, it went down to 16. That's the problem. How did it go from one timeline? It's 42 women and then well, moves we down see, to 16. We see Ben's birth, right? Which I thought was pretty interesting. We see Ben actually get born. And what we, we actually see is the cause of the pregnancy are those little glowy pixely things that we saw Hard. him release into the air in the in when he was on his planet remember he yes. like kissed his wife on the bed and then he like released some particles into the air was, yeah, so, so he feels that it was hard dreams yeah he's artif artificially inseminating people <laughs> on another planet he's just immaculate conceptioning everybody 
Yeah, but we got Marcus, right? He's the um, he's the 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 Luther of it all. He's the number one, big strong, big strong man, played by Justin Cornwell. We have Ben returning, Justin H. Min. Um, this Ben is like an opportunist who will do anything to become number one. We'll get more into that as the series continues. Something interesting in this season, they have referred to the Jennifer incident. So prior, well, we've never known. Might have been the one that died instead of him, or I still don't know what the Jennifer. No, no, no. Incident. The Jennifer incident happened in our OG Umbrella timeline. That's yes. how Ben died. Yes. So we have to find out what that is because they didn't even mention it. I don't think it's mentioned. Was it mentioned in the book? It was like a mission, I, right? They pushed him too hard no. on a mission or something. Yeah, that was. That's all I remember in the books is that Ben died on a very bad mission that like. Shouldn't have. It's like one of those hard reads preparing them for the apocalypse by literally putting them in the apocalypse type okay. situations. Yeah. Um. So we, I, I found it funny that it was referred to as that in this because to me that means that it will. They're gonna flesh that out soon. Odds are in the season four. Um. We have uh, more sparrows. Brittany Olford as Faye Hargreaves, uh, number three. A member of the Spider Academy who has the ability to control crows. Uh, she's blind and she's oh, putting crows. it lightly. That's putting it very, very lightly, as if those crows don't come out of her back and aren't her eyes. She's blind and she uses the crows as her eyes to spy on others. I had never seen a character like this before. It was pretty interesting to see. Um, I know Are at one good? point at one point uh, Sam Wilson was able to look through the eyes of any bird. In New York City, and that was his kind of surveillance thing. So it does get a bit creepy, but I liked how this character was portrayed. You got Jake Epstein as Alfonso Hardgreaves, a member of the Sparrow Academy with the ability to reflect any physical harm back to his opponents. Really, really trippy little power here. And also, um, I we see that when he was younger, he, he was less deformed. So I wonder what that has to do with anything because. Does he not? He's not taking the damage. He's but giving it's probably it like residual you know, stress or something. There. Like he's still getting punched in the face just because he's not feeling the pain and it's being redistributed. Doesn't mean like his skin is not going to be constantly taking the blow, melting from that energy. Interesting. Uh, Genesis Rodriguez plays Sloan Hargreaves. AKA Sparrow number five, a member of the Sparrow Academy with the ability to manipulate gravity. And um, yeah, Cassie Davis plays Jamie Hargreaves, a member of the Sparrow Academy with the ability to spit hallucinogenic venom. Holler spit in my face. And then last but not least, we have Christopher, a telekinetic, a telekinetic cube that can turn the room freezing cold and induce paralyzing fear without so much of a warning. I'm uh, so glad. Joe just decides to just be ridiculous on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I love it. I love I, Christopher. Commitment to the bit is something that gets you a lot of points with me. Um, and so I, yeah, the fact that they didn't feel like they need to explain, like they didn't even explain the birth, none of the stuff with Christopher, which is absolutely hilarious. You have no idea what he is. If he's even part of the 43 births, he could just be something, um, Original made. Yeah. Yeah. And just treats him like his son and stuff like that. Um, so 
I wanted to go over the sparrows because the one with the hallucinogenic venom actually spits on Diego, which causes Diego to hallucinate that the sparrows and the umbrellas engage in a dance contest, which basically just breaks out to the last scene in Footloose where everyone seemingly who everyone who just got the ability to dance because it's legal all knows the same choreographed dance. <laughs> Um, even down to the uh, Soul Train part where they go down the aisle, like they did all of it. Um, oh, I'm and- watching, and I'm just like, oh, I know George is gonna love this. Especially- I was of two minds. I was of two minds. One, I liked it, but as it was going on, I'm like, this is a bit ridiculous, and I don't want to feel like they think they have to do this every season. But when it was revealed to be hallucination then they got my you know stamp of approval you know what I'm yeah um because had it happened in real life i would be like okay this is a lot you know this is a lot like, what no but i would have even had to stop for a second and say wait why are we doing a dance battle like yeah. i was thinking about like like this is it, you know it was to me it was just pure fun but it was like okay let's not go so ridiculous that now we're just you know child playing with our toys you know like let's let's, let's go too crazy yeah oh oh, no i was gonna say that um you know it it gets very serious very quickly because it stops becoming about the dances and actually becomes it gets into a real fight oh 100 and they got their asses they did now, what do you chalk that up to? You chalk that up to training. You chalk that up to teamwork. What do you what do you chalk that up to? Training. Training. It's the it's the same reason why in the death battle, you know, like um, Omni Man would beat Homelander. Like, yeah. you know, if, if Omni Man wasn't a warrior that literally ended his entire alien race in one big giant battle contest, Homelander would probably win on strength alone. Like, you know, strength is something, but strength ain't nothing when you can get them pressure points. You don't got no skill, man. If you're just a sledgehammer, you know. Um, I feel like the only person that could truly, truly fight on the Umbrella Academy is number five and number two. On the Umbrella Diego Academy. Five, yeah. Diego number five would be the only actual trained, trained fighters on that team. You know, like Space Boy spent how long in, in on Mars or on the moon? You know, Allison, yeah. Al- Allison is an actress. There should be no reason why she should know how to fight. And Vanya, Victor, I could chalk them up to their powers being unlocked. So something, I, something cosmic. I um so like Vanya was the only one that was able to overpower everyone with her, you know, a, a white violin burst of energy. Uh, Vanya, um, Elliot Page wearing a terrible wig, an absolutely terrible, terrible Vanya wig, um, and. It's fine because she because Vanya won't be on the show for much longer. But um, them, you know, get, them getting blasted by Vanya puts kind of Vanya on their you know on their list. <laughs> like there, she's the one that they need to worry about on that team. And then Reginald just comes out and says it after meeting them in Dallas. He's decided to adopt six other kids because they were terrible people. So he figured if he adopts six other kids. Um, you know, how worse could it be than the, his first selections that <laughs> turned out terribly it's, and almost ended the world. Crazy how they ended up back to futuring themselves in like the worst way. It's like, listen, you guys met, I met you guys in Dallas. 
I realized I failed as a father. So I'm like, I'm just going to adopt other people. And the only reason why Ben got adopted is because he didn't meet them because they were already dead. Yes. It's, um, it's hilarious. Yeah, and just reintroducing our umbrellas, we have Elliot Page as the soon-to-be-named Victor Hargreaves. Tom Hopper returns as Luther Hargreaves. David Castaneda as Diego Hargreaves. Uh, we have Emmy Raver-Lampman as Allison Hargreaves, The Rumor. Um, Robert Sheehan returns as Klaus Hargreaves. Aiden Gallagher as Five Hargreaves. Um, doesn't have a name. Never been given a name. I've been very Not curious. Yeah, he's just five. Um, Combe Fiore is Sir Reginald Hargreaves. That guy's kind of awesome. I always call him Combe Calm Fiore. Calm yeah. Fiore. But that sounds well, weird. Now we have both like pronunciations it. just in case he needs one. He, he has he has the worst name ever. Great actor. Terrible. Really, really good at playing old, old fuddy-duddy uh, Reginald Hargreaves, like old 1930s transatlantic. Oh, come, man. come, hurry up. <laughs> All the, that stuff. The resurgence of transatlantic actors and like, uh, like out of time type stuff is just, I need more of it. I just need more people that are from, that are literally like from the 1920s that are immortal that are living in the 2020s. Yeah, yeah. Um, with other people living in their homes now, the Umbrellas take shelter at a strange dwelling known only as the Hotel Obsidian, accidentally leaving the time briefcase behind at the Academy. Klaus says the hotel doesn't discriminate or ask any questions, which makes it a perfect place to hide out. Now, I believe you read Hotel Obsidian, did you? Uh, Oblivion? Hotel. Yes. Was it just dropped like this? Like, there's just this hotel and we're just going to go? Because it felt very like, oh, all right, yeah. No, it, 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 it was something like it. What it was is it, they all fell under the same story, the same way like each season ends on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Like Hotel Oblivion was the return of one of the Umbrella's biggest villains. Oh, okay. Okay. I can see that. Um, yeah, so they get to this place. Grace, the robot Reginald programmed to serve as the mother figure in uh, to the children, discovers the big ball of energy in the basement and begins worshiping it as her god <laughs> for unknown reasons. Like, that wasn't creepy at all. Uh, great actress still. Um, glad she's back. To ease tensions between the families, Vanya meets with Marcus and threatens to embarrass him in front of the public if the sparrows don't agree to bury the hatchet. Fearing the Sparrow's reputation could be ruined, Marcus makes a deal with Vanya and agrees to hand over the briefcase in exchange for the I mean, in exchange for the rivalry to end. Now, the big thing about this is um, Ben is not happy that any of this is happening. So they, Ben's already on the attack. Ben's already trying to plan for how they're going to hit the Umbrellas. Meanwhile, oh, he's Vanya... been a Chihuahua all all season. So he, he Ben's been a Chihuahua all season, and it's just. At, at some points it was annoying at other points it was kind of like fun like like but most of the time it's if this was where we were going to get a antagonist they could have wrote him just a little bit better but the acting behind ben is just great having ben be this crazy um you know like like seemingly doesn't, really, seemingly doesn't even care about his own his own um family members like so long as he can be number one no, and that was a big point that's like Sloan was making, and, and I think others were making. It's like just because they were the better fighters in the Umbrella Academy, did it make them family? 
like they were just coworkers. They were just teams stuck together because of a psychopath where the umbrellas, even though they didn't see each other for years and they went their own way, their separate ways, uh, near death experiences has made them much more closer. Yeah. And one could argue that, uh, there's a possibility that Reginald Hargreaves went out of his way to make sure that they weren't as close, right? If he realized that the closeness mm-hmm. might have been a deterrent, um, he could have went out of his way to make sure that they weren't 100%. that close. Because he, it, it, there was even a conversation in a back in one of the flashbacks with Pogo, where Pogo's like, "You're starting to lose your humanity," and he's like, "Old friend, I never had any humanity." I'm like, "Oh yeah, what? that's kind of true, though. That's yeah. been the truth." That's been the truth. What do you but think about Vanya? It it's good to hear it out loud. What do you think about Vanya taking it upon herself to do this meeting? Uh, I'm glad that they're giving Elliot Page like more to do, specifically from like that first season mm-hmm. where it just seemed like they had nothing for him. But I don't know how I feel about him being in more of like it's almost like if they're pseudo trying to make him the leader, I can see that. Or they're, they're trying to do a a Von, a Victor Luther or Luther Victor yeah. type thing when it really should be a Luther Diego thing. Like there's not there was there was more of. And to be Victor honest, it's five. Five. If anyone's the leader yeah. of this team, it's five. five. They don't 100%. do nothing without five. You know, and and if they do, five will come up to them. One of the best moments in this show is when five has the heart to heart with Victor. And later it's like, and if you do that again, I'll kill you myself. I will kill you. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Um, If you're hearing anything crashing in the background, we're currently going through a thunderstorm here. So that is the waning of what's going on. That makes going on over here. That makes so much more sense. Um, But yeah, they, uh, Faye and Ben use Faye's crows to spy on Vanya, find out that Marcus is doing some dealings behind their back and maybe getting a little bit soft because he's already getting a truce. And uh, Diego learns that him and Lila may have a son named Stan. Well, he's actually here. Javon Juana Walton plays Stan Stanley, a 12 year old boy uh, who Lila says is their son. And she kind of- honest, it's just another Russell. It's literally just Russell. It reminded me of, you know, they make the joke all the time that Luther is the fake Batman. And so this also reminded me of how Damian Wayne was brought in, you know, crazy, um, exotic uh, love interest that they meet, you know, and they both like violence. And then you, after one night, she drops off a 12-year-old on his doorstep and says, good luck. Uh, so I thought that was pretty interesting. I wonder if that was done on purpose. And I wonder if this story permeates through the uh, thing. Because I don't think Lila's in the original thing. I, like, I feel like she was an original creation. No, I think she is one hundred percent an original creation, which I, I truly I love. I love Lila. Lila. I love Lila. This Lila. I love this yes, season's Lila. Hundred percent. Last season, because they were trying too hard to keep cover up the secret of her and the handler, um, she didn't get a lot of depth. You already knew that was the problem. Is you right. kind of already understood? You you already knew because five wasn't trusting her. Right. And then not because just five wasn't trusting her. Five felt like he knew her. So he didn't trust her. Mm-hmm. And like he, I think he even said he like smells commission all over her or something like that. Like just five just knew 
sniffed her out, knew who she was off rip. So it's like, oh no, you, 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 you're not supposed to like this woman. And she, she's beautiful. She can fight. And she has some of the best one-liners from that second season. But yeah, this third season, Lila is like, she is one of the biggest uh, fully realized, fully fleshed out characters we got. Yeah. Like her, her and Diego, like when I was saying in the, in the spoiler free section, her and Diego and Allison, I feel could like leave the show and it wouldn't do anything really to the conclusion until you like you need it near yeah. the end. But those three feel like they got like the proper goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just the, the, the punk rock attitude that she brings to the, her whole performance in this really, really cool stuff. Uh, while searching for the briefcase, Marcus discovers the ball of energy in the basement and he's killed when he <laughs> when he gets too close. Where, uh, what did you think of number one getting uh, 86? I, I, I knew that we were going to go straight Game of Thrones, Sons of Anarchy this season. Like once they killed off Marcus in that first that first episode, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this we're, we're, we're going there. This show. We're, yeah. we're, we're not holding anything back. I mean, then again, we like we literally killed off uh, Hazel in the first episode of the of season two. Like we killed his ass off right then and there by the Swedes. Yeah, shot him right. up, shot him up on the bench before the before the umbrella title card. Interesting. Yeah, so, they, 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 they are they're they're it's it's a poem. These seasons rhyme. You know, they're they're the book ending a lot of these ideas. Uh, which is incredibly interesting. I will um, say, though, season mm-hmm. two opener still has the best opener of the series. Like that little montage of just them all being thrown into different parts of the 60s. That was while, really good. While the Get Right Back to Restarted from plays, like that is definitely my favorite uh, premiere of this of the series. That's that, that. perfect for me. But this, this was this was really good because it gave me a lot. It felt like Doom Patrol, but it felt like a season one of Doom Patrol. This felt like something that you would want. This this felt like something that would be a season two of Doom Patrol arc. Yeah, like yeah. that they would they would end up having to do something for the chief, get put back in time, and the chief actually saves other people, and it's. The chief says like uh, animal, vegetable, mineral man. Well, they kind of they kind of went through that when when they found the other Doom Patrol, right? The first Doom Patrol or whatever. True, that's true. But it's it, it is very similar. Um, now that everyone has their own arcs, seemingly the Umbrella's siblings separate. Luther is kidnapped by the Sparrow siblings and he's held captive. Uh, he's like the most Stockholm syndrome <laughs> captive of all time. Uh, they believe that the Umbrella's siblings have Marcus, so they refuse to give him up until. Uh, they get him back, even though Marcus is D.E.D. dead because he touched the ball of energy. While captive, Luther flirts with Sloane and they eventually hook up. Uh, Vanya goes on a self-discovery journey, revealing to his siblings that he is transgender and changing his name to Victor. Um, there's a haircut and it, there's a beautiful explanation that, um, you know, Sissy, the, the relationship with Sissy in season two kind of opened up these doors and um, I do find that that that's how it often happens is there's people that just find themselves uncomfortable into their own skin until they're shown a different way to live, a, a different way to express themselves, a different way of being. And um, it's a very incredibly touchy subject. It's a touchy subject 
on the internet is a touchy subject in politics. You know, you've heard the bathroom debate, you know, here then and 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 in different stuff about pronouns. I identify as a Apache helicopter joke for the 15th time. <laughs> you've heard it all, but um this is one of I mean, not even one of, is this the highest profile um uh transgender actor seemingly coming out on a television show? I think so, actually. I don't I don't think we've got much of that, at least in the sense of it being a real transgender right. coming making their character that is essentially a breakout for them as much as they were in Juno. And Juno would be considered a breakout because she uh when Elliot was Ellen, she was one of the youngest uh like nominated actresses right she's done hard candy with patrick wilson she's done yeah juno she's done a roller i think it was called uh inception when uh she's on inception she's done uh whip it which was a drew barrymore written and directed movie like and now you have essentially them as coming out as who they really are breaking out now in this new way so really, as now Elliot, as it stands, he's Elliot Page. This is his breakout, yeah, for filmmaking and for film uh, for uh, acting. And I don't think we've ever actually got that from a real transgender, right? This is this like, is a you, unless you want to count like um, what what's what's her name? Uh, Caitlyn Jenner for doing it on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but that's more of a reality based show, so. Yeah, I think this is a bit different. Like the 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 fact that it, it almost happens twice. Like Elliot has to do it, and then Victor has to do it. You know? Yes, and them. I think them allowing it to go down like that is great because they could have. Like, he could have played, say, played Vanya. I was I thinking think that myself. You know, I don't see why. Not, when I say I don't see why, I don't make it sound like I'm I, trying to say. It. You get what I'm saying, right? Uh, what yeah, I meant to say I, is. We, be an issue for this actor to play that that female character. Like Tilda yeah. Swinton has played androgynous characters before. Saint Michael in in Constantine. You know, so like I, it wouldn't be a stretch to be like, hey, can you just play Vanya for this season? But it could be seen as insensitive, and the fact they went this route, it makes me happy. It just makes me happy. Like, no, yeah, yeah, I understand why this is important to who Elliot Page is like, and you have to understand, like if this helps people understand all the power to Umbrella Academy, but I do, I am also of that mind that, that believes if you're an actor, you're an actor and there's no difference of you playing this role than somebody else playing another, uh, another gender role. But it also, but you know, it also helps to show people who they are. I think that I think I, I agree with you on both halves. Um, I, I think, uh, but I think as what you're trying to say is the second half kind of weighs a bit more. Yes. Like if, if you it's can, yes, if you can, like, it's important to play a role and it's important to be good at that role. But if your role can transform how people think about certain things, then you, you have great power, great responsibility, you know, just don't um, turn into a right cunt as Billy Butcher would say. Yeah, man. It's, it's right there. Um, but I, 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 originally, I thought they were doing it as because they made it really they made it really tricky. They had Vanya look 
at um, the library and see that they were in the 60s. They were like the Dallas 7. Yeah, the Kennedy, Kennedy, the Kennedy 6 or something. Yeah, the Kennedy 6. Yeah. Yes, it's the Kennedy 6. And I'm like, oh, shit, someone's going to recognize them. And then you have Diego cutting his hair and beard. That and was like, completely dropped. And there's a million, there's dropped. a million moments of people in the hotel looking at them. Did I, they, did I make that up? They know. No, they know. So they then know what, they what, 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 is that going to come up the next season? What, what the I, think it, I think it's just to show that no one asks questions at that hotel. Okay. But yeah. those people know who they are and they're like, yeah, because when they, they, I think could be Hardgrave people too. Yeah, they could be just like Hardgrave aliens that he like brought over, or just whatever, like people that actually know Reginald. But it was just weird how they brought up this whole Kennedy Six, yeah. and their pictures, their straight up mug shots were in the book. But and then they go out their way to show everyone getting a haircut. Allison gets a haircut. <laughs> uh, Luther gets a haircut. It looks like he got a bit of a haircut. Diego got a bit of a haircut. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to do it smart. Vanya's going to cut her hair so she can be on the run, so no one can recognize her. And then they say they say his name, and he's like, I'm Victor now. And they're just like, okay, cool, no problem. Anyways, so here's the plan. I'm like, oh, you got I think the perp. I think the person that probably, like, like raised the eyebrow the most was Klaus and it was more like a good for you <laughs> like you know like <laughs> and and I and, and I appreciate the way that they did it with Luther like trying to over over be acceptive of it oh yeah cuz he finds out he finds out last cuz he was kidnapped when everybody else found out so it, he yes. when he comes at it he comes at it with a lot more love but um i i did, did, very shortly after this reveal um that Victor is Victor Five is also like, and you went by yourself to talk to Marcus. Why? Like, we cut right past all that back to the drama. You're not off the hook. It's cool that you are who you are now, but you, you know, whoever you want to call yourself, you cause some drama with these sparrows and you will talk about it. We will, you will be held accountable for it, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, <sighs> Someone on this show decided to go to their old house and sneak up on their child. Never once thinking that the house wasn't theirs, that the child wasn't theirs, that things didn't go exactly how they did. Does that, what, what, what? Please defend this. Now, I'm not gonna say that, that it was a, I think the character, I think the character is flawed, but in her flawed nature, she does exactly what a flawed character should do, but, but she's, she's smarter bonkers, than right. She's, she's bonkers in this, instance. this, isn't she? She should so. be at least in some, in some, some, some fashion. Allison has has to know that if she wasn't adopted by Hardgreaves, that means she never became an Umbrella Academy member. That means she never had the fight when she lost Ben. That means she never became the actress and never met Patrick. She's literally calling Patrick on the phone. And I'm like, lady, what are you doing? Like, you're going to get this man divorced because he's going to answer his, 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 he's going to hear his answering machine or his wife now, his actual wife in this timeline is going to hear the answering machine. She's like, Who's Allison? 
Who's yeah. saying I miss you? She Who's sounds very you? sure of herself. You keep telling me that she's nobody. <laughs> um, yeah, man. It Allison is the person I had the hardest time getting along with in this season. She, okay. I've seen some dark things in my days. I've seen some dark deaths. I've seen some unnecessary deaths. I've seen a man get his penis cut off on Game of Thrones. I have seen some of the most darkest of subject matter I can possibly imagine. What mm. Allison did to Luther, goddamn takes the cake. Where it's, you it's scummy, bro. It's scummy. not only is it scummy, I was I would dare dare I say you couldn't do it with the roles reversed. No, <laughs> and I'm not. And Dan, tell the people I'm not one of those people. He's not one of no. I no, genuinely, you're not a whataboutism person. No, you but I was thinking to myself like, this is not right. Because no, because we've gotten we've gotten many dark and dirty rape scenes in the history of cinema. Think of the first Evil Dead with our main character. She was raped by a tree. Yeah. Or Watchmen, or you're raped by your own uh, team member. Like, we have seen some very dark um, Last House on the Left. You know, there yeah. has been some really dark rape scenes in cinema history. But this one, this one literally takes the cake. And it's it, it's not because I, I, I want to be those one-uppers. Like, ah, ah, see, look, look what happened. No, it, it's because she literally said, I heard a rumor you wanted me. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, lady. Yeah, she what she you... didn't care. Her grief meant more. And that's what this whole, her, her whole arc is about. Pool table. And I'm like, oh my God. And she mounts him on the pool table. And he's literally saying, please, just stop. Like, like he's, he's fighting. He, he goes to do something to her. And she then doesn't like it. And then decides to, to kind of lay off. But she was already acting weird about the stone oh, thing. Oh, that's because when she was mounting on top of him, he, he was fighting to literally strangle her. Like, yeah. he had his hand on her throat, and he was going to strangle her. Like, he was going to kill her. She was already giving him slack for Sloan, which felt like a jealousy thing, which felt really weird because we were all in a very weird spot in season one with these two. In season two, they found a way to give her a love interest, but then I think by giving her a love interest, they, they actually underserved Luther in season two. I but think Luther is incredibly underserved. For all That's why I didn't like that. Like, I love season... I like a lot of season two, but Luther like eating ice cream sadness, like stress eating was just, yeah. it, it was getting, it was getting to me. And I really liked, like Luther was never supposed to be the fucking smartest guy in the room. Yeah. I knew this, you knew this, like I never had my, my disillusions to who Luther is. The dude spent like 10 years on the moon by himself learning. I don't even know how he learned. Videos his father sent him, like, you know, videos Pogo sent him some way. So I get it. But getting to see, like, an actually funny, goofy Luther, a lovable teddy bear type Luther. But why does this man have to always go after women adopted by his adoptive father? Yeah, I, I remember I remember thinking to myself that I, I, I was happy that it wasn't the Allison of it all. But this is not that far away from uh, everything else when it comes to those two. So I, 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 I knew, like I knew, and 
I don't I wasn't sure how the show wanted us to feel about it. I wasn't sure if we were supposed to be rooting for Allison in this moment, if we're supposed to understand her grief. And I'll be the first one to say it, and I've said it countless times before, just because you've gone through something that you've had to grieve doesn't mean you necessarily know a hundred percent how you know how people are supposed to respond to things. It's not easy to respond to grief and no one has the manual on how you're supposed to respond to grief. So it's hard for me. I will will agree with Allison in one sense that for like two seasons, everyone was telling her to just get over shit. Yeah. Like she was, she was put on the back burner for a lot of her grief. Like she just got thrusted into the sixties and even, even me and you were saying it's like the writers almost forgot that she forgot she had a daughter. Yeah. But it's like, in, in what way could she even possibly grieve her daughter, but in silence? So you have to no, you have but to they, that a lot of the things she's doing is off screen and silence the grieving. It, you, the, that's the that's the issue. In season one, I felt like she didn't give a damn because she had her husband. She didn't even care about her daughter. Like she had she had realized she couldn't go back and she never the, never in the show in season two does she have the same fire about changing the timeline that she does in this season. No, not at all. And it's, it's so it's almost like a Wanda, like a Wanda thing. Yeah. Like what she, is twenty two and mothers trying to get their kids back? No, it's fine though. But the only reason why she couldn't get the only reason why she wants her kid back is because she couldn't get Ray. She made a she made a, a trade in the sixties by agreeing to do what Five wanted to do. She agreed to leave Ray to get Claire. And when she realized that when Claire wasn't around, she couldn't have either. Now she needs to set everybody's house on fire. Now she needs to, you understand? Now she needs to rain on everyone else's parade. Because back then when she had a husband, she was, she was fine. And I, this is, this is probably going to be the most insensitive thing that I say. So let me get this out of the way. Cause I had some thinking to do. Um, I get that season two was dropped in 2020, I believe. And 2020 was some of the heights of, of, of racial tension in this country. You didn't have to send Allison to the 60s to be mistreated as a minority. If that's the lesson that you wanted her to learn, she could have learned it any time, any, any time, any day of the week. Yeah, and maybe she should have. And maybe she should have in current day. Maybe that would have been saying more if, if the, in current day she lost her voice and she wasn't a famous actress and she got treated and lumped in with the undesirables of that race or you know any any kind of situation like that. But well, I don't think really she, just cast, she's an actress. Just cast her in Star Wars. Well, yeah, yeah, that could, yeah. <laughs> you want, she got right. And the thing is, we were already shown that. Um, you know, she rumored her daughter. So she, we were already on, we were already at a weird place with her as a character. She rumored Vanya. I mean, she rumored Vanya by uh, Reginald's direction, but she rumored Vanya. She never unrumored no, Vanya. He rumored Vanya to make her lose her powers in a sense. She's like, memory. For you had her memories. She don't remember that she had, she don't. That she had powers. So she can't use them. But it, I just all of that stuff. Like every season. Her motivations feel right for her, but it's not something I would agree with. So watching somebody go through this slow motion car crash, you know, she's going to become an alcoholic. She's going to start picking fights, not only between random strangers in bars, but with her own family members and get ready to get busy with them. Like what okay, that, we- that one that scene, uh, I'm, I'm never one to be like, okay, I think you were being a little preachy here. 
Because, you know, you know, say what you want to say and take the political stances you want to take. You know, it, it's not hurting anybody to to let people know how minorities and disparaged feel. But having having the two, you know, brown skin and dark skin characters of the show sit outside of a hillbilly bar that literally has a giant Confederate flag spray painted just to fight them. That felt a it, it, it was the one moment where I'm like, I understand what certain people it say. Felt, it felt cheaper, Dan. It felt cheaper when the only black man on the show died in the first episode. You understand? So I'm watching this show and I'm like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to tell me? I'm a minority. I get some of this stuff. I get. I got the whole, like, you can't sit here. They're doing a sit-in, all that kind of stuff. But they're making... They're making uh, Allison out to be like this passion of the Christ figure, like someone who's just been whipped and drugged and all this stuff. But some of this stuff she did to herself. Some of this, a stuff lot she did of the stuff she kind of did to herself. I mean, like, like, like you said, there's no reason why we had to throw her in deep red state Texas in the six Dallas in the sixties. Are you kidding? You might as well have thrown her in Montana in the eighteen twelves, right? Like. You know, that, that was, and they that, did it for a reason. They had they they thought that there was a narrative and a theme there. I just don't think it was as strong as they thought it was. I mean, you know? yeah, it could have they could have done Dallas a little bit better, but I, I'm more so. I the, I think the best part of Allison for me, I think the only real good scene was when she tried rumoring herself in the mirror, and she yeah. realized she didn't even rumor herself, so she punches the the mirror. That was actually pretty sad that made me feel when she tried to rumor herself to be happy and she couldn't rumor herself and i'm like oh my god and I, you know she's obviously going through a, a level of ptsd because she's seeing ray right and um you know she's seeing things that, that weren't there I, wanna, I just i'm just putting it right now i don't want to talk about how, how how the logistics of that ending doesn't work what the ending of this show the this ending season, of this season where Ray, who existed in the 60s, oh, is yeah, yeah. In, in 2018. No, I mean, you made the allusions to Wanda. This is House of M. They've done House of M. The yeah. father is the leader of the entire world and the leader of the entire country. And she's got her slice of paradise and her slice of heaven. I wonder if the rest of them do too. And maybe it's going to be a thing where they all get what they want and realize that it's not what they really want. I think that Reginald was doing. When, because they were in like the freaking brainstem of reality, they were yeah. in the cortex of reality, messing with shit. And I'm pretty sure that that entire ending was everything they wanted. But the what it seemed like, like like not not Luther, but because Luther wanted Sloan, that was his motivation. It seemed like five Klaus and Victor are the only ones that are not going to take having no powers very well. At least five. I don't think five can survive without powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, think I, like maybe maybe Klaus could. I mean, Klaus does love having that little boy, so maybe he would miss having his own infinite realities of heaven. But I personally don't think five can survive. Yeah, and he's and he's probably the most trained out of all of them. But since we're going down the list, that we know, did we talk about Diego? Well, we talked about him having the kid, but first. Um, five and Klaus go to find Klaus's birth mother. They discover all the mothers died before they were ever born, creating a grandfather paradox. One of the sickest montages ever was just 
playing that rendition of house of the rising sun while every month like all seven of the mother's heads were exploding like yeah it was it was it was pretty rough and we'll get there when we when hardened uh, shows up uh diego and stan bond after they have a fight with two of the sparrows alfonso and jamie um and further shockwaves from the ball of the energy in the basement cause more uh waves of objects humans and animals to disappear and it's growing bigger so it's eating things and it's growing bigger no one knows what it is yet um but yeah diego and stan diego trying to do his best to be a father diego is oh my god like this show just truly gives you actors that can definitely play dc and marvel characters and you're just waiting for the damn ball to drop and i've said it since 2018 we are passing that embargo line of aiden gallagher being able to play damian wayne but we're they, passing the embargo line of Adrian Gallagher being able to play five. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> like I was thinking that to myself today. I was like, uh, you know, like he's supposed to be like 12. It's only been a couple yeah. days for these people. That's another big thing about it that they, they laid That's out. The part is for them, they're still in 2018. Yeah. They have they 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 went back to the 60s, but then they went back to 2018. Which is, that's the intensity that I guess we're missing from the Allison story. You know, like if it was that close and if it was that, uh, you know, in your face and literally no, just guess, left that world, then. Listen, sorry about that. But I guess that's just the only way I can defend Allison is that this isn't something she's been dealing for months to years. This, I mean, no, actually, because I think she was one of the first people to get dropped in the 60s. And five was the last person, and five got dropped in '65. So yeah, she was I, there for a few months, but I'm I'm just saying, like, no, it's, was she? I, I think yeah. was she was she one of the last people that got dropped? No, I think she was one of the first people that got dropped. Yeah, because so she, she gets there. dropped, and somebody runs after her. Isn't that what yeah, happens? So, so she yes, so she was there for she was in Dallas for four years. Was it four years? It had to have been four because five was the very last person to drop, and when five dropped, he dropped. He dropped in 65. Oh, but then no hate. Then Hazel brought him back of like 10 days. So they were in 65. I think Allison got dropped in like 61 or 62. 61. It was 61. Okay. So yeah. So she was so she was in the 60s for four years. So she I guess she had time to grieve over her daughter, but you can't really put a time limit on people's grief. Right. Um Five explains the grandfather paradox. Luther rejoins the Umbrella siblings. Um, I guess now will be the time to say that my MVP of the season is Luther. <laughs> I never really liked this character, and I didn't hate him. Obviously, that was always reserved for Allison. But uh, Luther really, 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 to me, Tom Hopper had a lot more scenery to chew. Um, uh, his dumbness was played as, like, Andy Dwyer. innocence. Yes. Not, not just like why aren't you? Why, why are you so dumb? It was, it was more, very much the Andy Dwyer, Troy Barnes typeness, yeah. where like, like you know, like when it's time to when it's time to get serious, it's time to get serious, and he does do that. But when he was kidnapped by the sparrows, and he's like, "Oh my God, is that is that tree not peanut butter?" Well, maybe I can have one little sandwich. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all the all the almond almond butter, all the nut butters. He was there. He's having a great time having his little brunch over there with the sparrows. And, and I, I got so this is when I started getting upset at the show. Not just the show, but writing like this in general. I love 
him and Sloan's relationship. I genuinely, genuinely love their relationship. And it was right when he proposed to her outside of the face of the apocalypse. I'm like, God damn it. They have to save the world. And there's no instance where they can be together if they save the world and put everything back exactly as they broke it. Like there's, there yeah, was I mean, the- watching her eyes light up as he talked about the moon, like that was, that was it. That's all you needed. Someone that, that looks that excited about when you're talking about the things that you are passionate about. Excited. She's like, what? The moon? Get out. And, you- and he's like, you're just playing me. You're just, you're just, you're just making He's like, no, the moon's great. <laughs> it's, it, it is. It was a beautiful relationship that I could not believe. Just, they had, they, I knew that the rug was coming. Yeah. Um, uh, Five and Lila reluctantly team up to solve their time paradox. Uh, realizing that none of their time travel briefcases work. I like those two together because they give each other a lot of shit. Uh, Five and Lila, because they both worked for the commission. They both killed a bunch of people. They both, you know, like they don't, they, they're not, they don't sweet talk each other. It's a lot of uh, real curt dialogue back and forth between those two. Um, Allison and Victor negotiate with the Sparrows where Allison falsely tells them that they have Marcus. Here's the beginning of the downfall, right? Lies to the Sparrows, tells the Sparrows that they have their number one and they want the briefcase in exchange for it. Um, And that behavior obviously worries Victor because it's a damn lie. One of the sweetest storylines to go through this season, Klaus confronts Reginald about their mothers whom Reginald confirms he did not kill. And they- Recalling that little father-son bonding time. It was it to Klaus, it's all he ever wanted. True, true. And considering that Klaus is one of my favorite characters, I was happy to see him happy. To the point that what happens in the second to last episode really did hurt me. I said, wow, we really going back on all this. We really, we really going back on all this. All the goodwill you just did. And you did it on purpose. You did it on purpose. Um, it was it was bus ball. I'm watching the I'm watching the montage. Cats in the crater. Cats in the cradle. I mean. Oh my! I'm I'm literally sitting there with a smile on my face, and then and my jaws just dropping. I'm like, this is fucking sick. And then he just then when he gets up and he's like, I think I'm starting to get the handle of this, and stands in front of the bus. Yeah, he starts having fun with it. And I'm just like, what is this show? What this? And I looked at my arm and I said, I will never regret this tattoo that I have because this <laughs> show is just—it's pure, it's fun, it's ridiculous and wacky, but it—it it knows what it is and it's not afraid to be it. And, and Klaus as a character is Klaus and Five are the the proof in the pudding that this show is not afraid to just be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of it goes on their backs. I think everyone else is kind of fighting their footing, but I think those two are, you know, those are your, um, uh, the foundation in my, in my opinion. Truly, truly are. I they, they truly, and, and cause five, five is honestly the catalyst. And as much, and the best he kind of, he kind of had it from day one. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's amazing his age, you know, but yeah, he, um, Oh, the he had it in the diner. That yeah. fight, the diner sold it. Even when he's just talking about he wants coffee. He's <laughs> like, I just want to, I just, God, I just need a cup of coffee. It's like, I've been there, bro. I think, you know, he's really playing the age up. 
And this whole season of him just like, I wanted to retire. It's I, supposed to be a vacation. I, I'm not working right now. It, 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 the best is like, it's like I, I am a 70-year-old man trapped in a prepubescent body. All I want is, is a freaking fisherman hat and a 76 Chrysler. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm just cracking up at this he's literally like john mcclain and live for your die hard it's like, like i'm supposed to be on vacation um so i feel like you know one of the things we have to mention is the fact that the sparrows were drugging reginald and so oh my god klaus that got him off the drugs um which is ironic because <laughs> klaus was known for taking a lot of drugs um, but I, Klaus came pretty clean after his big binge in the last season. Like, I think he's living a bit a bit cleaner now. We haven't actually yeah, seen him take anything. That's what's crazy is, uh, besides the first season, and even, even like the latter half of the first season when Ben, when Ghost Ben was helping him get a handle on his powers, he was realizing that he didn't need to be, you know, drugged up, that he could use the voices and, and the spirits to his advantage. So you really only get like that first half of the season one and then that one big off the wagon in season two. But most of the time you have not a fully realized, like I think this is now another character that's like a fully realized character, but an almost there Klaus. And then that's why it's one uh, the season two opener is one of my favorites because seeing Klaus just standing there and just pushing all of the spirits of dead soldiers. I'm just like, damn it. This is awesome. Yeah. Like, like that is probably still, the closest still obviously realized. He's, but the, the one missing piece was his father's love. That True. was That was the one thing that he needed. So he's well, getting it now. It's always been about that. It's like season one was Luther and his father. Season two was Diego and his father. Season three is Klaus and his father. Like, Alice is the only one that never really seemed like he had issues with with pops. Because she never really, I, I don't think she ever really cared for Reginald that way. I also think that he, there's nothing he could have done to stop her if he got in her way. <laughs> she was like, I heard a rumor and did some shit. I wonder if it works on him. Maybe it doesn't. Um, uh, oof. I can't even say for sure. Yeah. Be interesting. He created them now that the, now that the ball is dropped. Like, he created all of them. He probably could sustain their power. I, I, I'm interested in knowing. Uh, the sparrows discover the ball of energy in the basement. They have no idea what it is. Uh, the sparrows. It's God. <laughs> the sparrows. It's the voice of God. The sparrow and the umbrella siblings confront each other at the Hotel Obsidian, and the umbrella siblings are almost defeated. The Sloan is like cutely trying to tell Luther to run away, but not what is where is Luther supposed to run and leave his siblings? They've come to like uh, to ambush them at the Hotel Oblivion. Sloan's trying to get Luther to go, and Luther's like, "What are you saying, run?" <laughs> Is it but, fun? Fun. But all, of, but all of a sudden, a devastating burst of energy comes out of a man who is going by the name of Lester Pocket, aka Harlan Cooper, played by Callum Keith Renee, uh, Sissy, and Carlson, with a nonverbal autism who developed a friendship with Victor, and you know, got a bit of the fragments of Victor's abilities. Um, he's now here. Is the Lester Pocket thing ever? Uh, fleshed out. I was trying to think of it. I think that's uh, Sissy's uh, maiden name. Okay, so maybe that's her grandfather's pockets or something. Because that she, because I did notice when she was when she was like signing one of the leases or a hotel stay somewhere in that montage that she was using the last name Pockets. 
Um, it's absolutely hilarious though that if her name was Sissy Pockets, because that's just <laughs> ridiculous. Hey man, fifties, everyone or in her case, I think she was born in the forties, I even think. What do you think about Harlan coming back and seemingly well not seemingly actually killing two more members of the Sparrow Academy, Jamie and Alfonso, dead. He killed my favorite member, so I already didn't like him. Yeah, I was very sad Jamie was gone. I was like, is that good? Like, is that for good? Like, is that done? It it it, it sucks because she was she was very much Jessica Jones, and I, I think I think it's the introduction of Jamie Hargraves that just made me realize like I gotta just be open and honest about the type of chick that I'm into, and it's definitely those <laughs> Jones, pale skin, jet black hair. I will kill you with a stare type. Her and like, like, take someone like like Jamie and Ly- and Lila and just concoct them into one human being, and that 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 right there is just perfection. Yeah, yeah. And plus, pre-genic um, drugs just spit on me and let me trip. Oh no! <laughs> it's like licking a uh, one of those <laughs> weird rainforest toads or whatever the hell. Um, gone, and Alfonso's gone, and I would think Alfonso would be able to push that energy back, but I guess maybe it's a little bit too much. Um. It was so sad because he did give me one of my favorite fights of the series. And most of my most of my favorite fights all go to anything between Lila or Five. Yeah. I don't know who is Aiden Gallagher's choreographer, but my man literally has like the best moves. But Diego versus Alfonso in like the 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 uh, whatever that was, the pharmacy was Yeah, that just- was uh, with him and his with him and his son. The son threw the knife and then he reversed it. And he got cut. The son got cut, and they had to stop the fight because the son was out there bleeding. <laughs> like, he couldn't fight no more because his son did it. And he he tells it to the kid. He's like, "You still don't get it. Like, you still not get what's going on here. Why are you like, not grasping the situation?" Yeah. Kid? Like, really, really funny stuff. But we have to, we're three we're three sparrows down now. But we take a second to uh, look back at Harden and his mother and their difficult life of constantly moving because his powers keep getting exposed. He keeps having violent episodes, so they keep having to change up. Um, and Sissy ends up dying from illness. You know, it's, it's, it's particularly hard to deal with children. It's particularly hard to deal with um, special needs children. It's, it's particularly hard to deal with nonverbal special needs children. But if they have the power to blow you up, that makes things even more difficult. And yeah, so that how much- rabbit scene was like, that shit was sick. Like, he's just petting the rabbit. The rabbit bites him. And he's like, what? Yeah, he, he knocked out a bunch of kids at school. Like, you don't want him around other kids either. I like- was getting scared for a moment. I'm not going to lie. I was getting a bit of anxiety. I'm like, oh, no. He's, like, about to, like, melt, like, six kids right now. This also felt like a homage to, if you remember, the uh, Vanya nanny montage. Oh my God, that's right. I remember the Vanya nanny montage. Yeah. Just kept killing different robot nannies. <laughs> no, those were real people. I think they ended up building a robot so that she couldn't kill it. Oh, <laughs> those were real people. Oh yeah, no. I think, I think she killed real people and then she snapped the neck of the robot, but because it was a robot, it was fine. Even though in this, there's like a neck snapping and they put it like they sit her down or something to turn her off. Yo, that one. That one was crazy. Nothing personal, mom. And just like, all right. All all we know is that when Sissy died, he had a very, very, very violent outburst. We haven't, we don't realize what that violent outburst did until later on. Um, In present, Harden reconnects with Victor 
Allison tries to torture information about the briefcase whereabouts out of Sloan, but Sloan doesn't know where it is. And and Luke uh, Luke uh, Luther's like, yo, leave her alone. She's like, yeah, you little girlfriend. I'm like, everyone relax. <laughs> Everyone's getting too. It was getting a little tense where when I was doing the I heard a rumor and like her nose was bleeding. I'm like, relax, bro. Relax. Yeah, man. And leave Sloan alone. She ain't do nothing to nobody. She ain't do nothing no, to nobody. I I knew where that was gonna go, honestly, from when they all first met. And Luther was, and Luther just looks at her and he's like, hi. And she's like, hi. I'm like, oh God. And then they're yeah. fighting her and she's like pulling punches on him. Uh, now we'll, we'll get to there eventually, but I'm just glad that there was no rug from that. I'm glad that he didn't try to play her and she didn't try to play him. I'm happy that they didn't kiss the other people and find each other kissing them and had to make a big stink about oh, it. Such a, an actual, genuine, pure relationship that could only have a bow tied in Umbrella Academy fashion by at the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, at the apocalypse. A good relationship. Like I actually liked how it was written. Yeah, but this man has to stop falling in love with adoptive sisters. Um. So when she can't get the information out that she wants to, her and Diego go beat up racists. I'm assuming. Um. And then when they get back, Luther gives her shit because he's like, what's, what are you doing? <laughs> really? Luther's like, what are you doing now? He's like, oh, Diego thinks I'm cool. And he's like, I don't think that's the kind of <laughs> praise you want if Diego thinks you're cool. Because <laughs> one of the running jokes is that everyone's telling her that she used to be the nice one. Yeah. Now she's hard drinking, hard smoking. Uh, and she's bad cop in this interrogation with Sloan. She's bad cop in the, uh, you know, giving up Marcus for the briefcase. Like she's, she's just. And and um, it's it's so funny because when they were interrogating Sloan, I half expected it to go the community route. Remember when uh, with the smash the, the smash DMs. Oh yes. Changed the good cop bad cop to being right. ob. So I was just like, oh no, I think it was Troy that was just like throwing stuff. And I was like, I'm sorry about my partner. He switched to decaf. And like, so I'm like half expecting like Allison to like just throw like the most campy hissy fit ever where she just throws her hands up in the air and just like air swinging. I'm like, oh God, why is she just going so hard? Like, and I appreciate the actress for doing a great job. Yeah. But they really wrote her to be the most dislikable, even with Ben being Ben they still found a way to make Allison more dislikable than Ben. Yeah. And that's a, that's a modern mystery. Um, I love that Luther, like I said, he comes back to the house and he's like, oh my God, we got to throw Vanya a party or Victor a party. And he's like trying to do all this stuff. Do we make it, make it a big deal? Do I... Like, what do I do? What do I say? And he's like, dude. And then Diego bumps into Diego bumps into Victor and it goes, Luther wants to throw you a big stupid party so you feel loved. Do you feel loved? And Victor goes, yeah, I do. He goes, good, you are. And he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that right there is that. That's, that's big right. brother love, though. That's big brother love. Like, shut the hell up. You know, I love you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's 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 beautiful seeing siblings accept each other for who they genuinely feel to be. And they could have done it. They could have made it so distasteful or they could have or they could have just like ignored it. But the fact that they that they're showing you how it could be with people of these walks of life, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's because beautiful. one could argue that now is not the time. <laughs> but yeah. 
if there is no time, then any time's the time. Oh, it, that, thank you for bringing that point up because that's actually what I was thinking about during um, Luther's bachelor party where yeah. they're all singing for, um, I can't remember what the song they were singing. I, yeah, I, I, it, I just had it in my head too because I remember five. I was like, I think he can sing better than that. I think he's playing bad karaoke here. With it was like, like, wasn't it time after time or something like that? Yes, or, yes, it was like time after time. Because it was Klaus and Five were going up there to do a duet. And I'm yeah. like, wait, Klaus and Five are about to just be brothers for a second and do a yeah. duet? And in my head, I'm like, anybody is going to argue against this scene that, oh, my God, we don't have time for this. But I, you know what? We have all the time yeah. in the world for this show to just be this show. And having Klaus and Five go up in, like, a Michael Scott and Jim Halpert fashion of awkward karaoke. And then just all of them burst out into singing and poor Ben is just there just watching over. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is, this is why I love to do what I do. This is why I love. And we, we find out later that five, like got emotional, like gave a speech, got emotional, called everybody like his favorite family and he loves them forever and all this other kind of stuff. His head, when he was remembering being hung over, when he was remembering that drunk night, he was like cursing people out. Yeah. He was like insulting them and making fun of them. But it turns out that it was the exact opposite. Where even Diego's like, "Damn, buddy, I didn't think you had it in you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he has that gear, man. He's just been he's been a well. You want to talk about somebody who you have to take their time into consideration? He's lived longer than any of them. You know, yeah. he's lived a life. Old man, when the handler found him. Yeah, very, very old gentleman. Um, so, uh, Luther and Victor give Sloan back to the sparrows as a peace offering. This is all Luther's plan, too. And <laughs> I remember Asa not being very fond of it. Ben changes the deal last minute and demands, okay, you want a real peace offering? Hand over Harlan, the person who killed my, my family members. Um, five and Lila find, find the ruins of the commission and eventually find the commission's founder. Were you surprised? It's an elderly future version of five. I, and the best part about it is, is, you know, it's not our, what you the, like, we like to use the phrase prime. It's not our prime timeline five. Mm. This is a five from another, another timeline that created the commission that lives outside of time. So He's just been chilling there in an iron lung for God knows how long, maybe fucking centuries. He could be like a thousand years old at this point because that room, that room and that monitor is what's keeping him alive. I think in perfect show fashion, he will lose an arm and end up back here. He will re, he would reconstitute the commission. He will, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think it's no, a snake. But that's what's crazy. He lost his arm. Before resetting reality. He did, right? Yes, he got his arm chopped off by one of the samurai roaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um the uh the the, the people who were guarding the bells. Yeah, the yes. ring. Yeah. The guardians of the bells or <laughs> guardians yeah. of the bells. Um Yeah, but... so he gets his hand cut off, but then he gets it back when they go when they reset it. Yeah. So it's it's weird. There's going to be one more apocalypse. I, I wonder if he's his age. 
Like, he would age. He would have to age. I, but this whole thing is, I think he was already aging. We like, yeah, it's only been like, it's been 20 days for them. They kept saying it. They be, they've been saying it since the first episode of season three. It's only been 20 days for us. Yeah. 20 days ago, we figured out our sister, or who's now our brother, had all of these powers and they shot a hole in the moon. So we went back into Dallas and then we had to stop another apocalypse. Now we're back here. Like it's only been a month for them. So like there isn't, I don't think there's anything powers wise stopping five from aging. So I think he can actually age. It's yeah. just, they would just have, what well, hasn't been afforded that he did age in the, in his prime timeline, but then he went back and got trapped in his younger yeah. body. Yeah. So, and, and that's the whole thing about it is, they haven't had a chance to move past a month in timeline fashion. Like they keep doing shit where they have to go backwards. Yeah. They're, they're DC with Batman. Basically. They just keep getting back to the point of, Oh, we got to set everything on fire and start from the beginning. It gets a bit, bit frustrating. Talk about frustrating. I learned. Well, I didn't learn this. I knew this. I wondered why the character on screen had to learn this. Why did a character on screen then have to learn that one shouldn't, I don't know, play with a spear gun and I don't know, aim it at people in the same room as you and I don't know, fiddle around with the trigger because I I, I genuinely thought they killed Klaus off in that moment. I was mad. I was upset. I was like, what? <laughs> Stan. Playing, they're playing around in this white buffalo room. Um, Klaus and Stan were actually, uh, they were paired off in an episode because Diego made Klaus babysit Stan um, and clean up some uh, other rooms. But because um, it would, they had a pretty good moment, right? Where he's like giving him like some direction. And he goes, I thought you were the cool uncle. He's like, yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> he huh. was like, huh. I guess people all have things to figure out, buddy. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's so, he's so great. Um, and... Watching it and I'm waiting. I'm actually waiting for the ball to drop because I've seen it done before. And it, as much as I've seen it done, I still love it. There's no way that kid was going to get away with stealing all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't being sneaky about it. And I get it. Klaus is laying down looking up at the ceiling. But when he's when he gets caught stealing like the, the, uh, the lighter out in the open. And then he's like, uh-uh, all the stuff you stole, too. I'm like, damn it. I knew they were going to do that. I knew, I knew it, and I love it. I love that he just knew he was taking the entire time. What did you think of that camera work of watching that body fall? Um, Klaus is going down with him. <laughs> he kind of just falls straight back down on that white buffalo carpet. A lot of blood, too. Yeah, man. A lot of oh, blood. Like, and... and the funniest shit is when he gets bumped into by by Diego and he's holding like acidic acid and white gloves. He's like, what are you doing with this? He's like, oh, oh my God. He starts to cry. He starts to cry. He's like, you, you don't understand. Don't get, he says, don't get mad at me. When I, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but don't get mad at me. I killed your brother <laughs> accidentally. This is, this is some of the best acting chops we've gotten from this actor, Diego, yeah. because way he was just able to just like calmly ease stan it's like letting no listen Mourn his brother ease stan's thing try to figure out on in his own mind what to do next because he's the adult now in the situation all that stuff was super interesting and, and the next scene they're in the hallway with him wrapped in the carpet <laughs> yep and just to show that hotel baby doesn't give a damn you see that the guy doesn't even care 
He sees him there, does he? What are you guys doing? Uh, playing a game called what? Guy in the rug. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just um, it's so great that like that he's like you know what? I think he had a right idea. Let's just go bury the body and just like pour acid on it. Like like this is not the time for this. But yes, and you could you could you could uh, a, a lesser show could have ended on that ball drop of the death of klaus but this one actually ends on the realization that harlan murdered the parents of our umbrella academy by accident through an outburst of his power when his mother died he really felt that um vanya at the time had abandoned them and thus that anger and malice felt then he felt that like Cause that's the whole thing is hard grief. He felt them. Out. Yeah. He felt them. Yeah. Yeah. He felt them. And when he felt them, he got so like, uh, like I, I don't know how I wouldn't be able to understand how people on the spectrum, what happens. I guess overwhelmed. Overwhelmed yes. would be a good, a good word to use. Yeah. And the, the, the anxiety was just too much to bear because I have seen those outbursts from kids on the spectrum and I've seen how it could just, literally be a trigger of somebody touching their toy yeah i've seen i I, i've seen some really overstimulation is a thing even with regular people you know yeah too much and he just couldn't like like we're talking about the death of his mother and then feeling that emotion of oh my god this is somebody that abandoned me and i could have had a great life and the person who kind of put you in that position the life that you've led running away constantly your mother being sick now and yeah being alone all of this is because of that um, so it's a lot. The power outburst. Yeah. So he he just he felt it and he went in like that whole slow motion of like the room just being destroyed felt like yeah. the moment in a uh, first class yeah. when they Magneto's mother and he's just like destroying that whole surgery room. He also and looks a lot like just the old man with a wig in that moment. <laughs> Is yeah. that just me? Yeah. Yeah, he like the old man with a wig. But um yeah, big ball to drop because they were trying to find out who who did this. And because I think because Victor feels guilty over giving Harlan this power, he feels that it's his job to keep things under wraps. That's why he doesn't tell anybody else that Harlan was the one who killed Which their parents. It's a stupid decision to make. Like, honestly, it's one like you spent the last two seasons trying to prove to your siblings that you are one of the team, that yes. you are the seventh member of the Umbrella Academy. Because mm. the Umbrella Academy was always six, and now it's five. But now it's back to six because you did – like, you worked hard to earn Allison's trust and to have Diego not hate you because he hated you in that first season, like, badly. Mm. So you did a lot of work to get back into your family's good graces only to literally hide the killer of their parents – but it's almost as if she birthed that killer. So I think she thinks that that anger goes back on her. Once they trace all of it back, it goes back to Vanya ruined everything again. And, and I, I think I, she wanted to clean up her mess, or the, he wanted to clean up his mess before, you know, ending the world again. This was this was this was the start of the grandfather paradox. That's the whole thing. Is now they they went to the '60s and they returned to the 2010s. And in doing so, they left somebody with powers to live throughout the 60s to the 80s. Yeah. And now they're back into a timeline where they're not supposed to exist. Yes. Yep. And that's what the grandfather paradox ends up causing a kugel blitz is what it's called. 
the Google Blitz. Google Blitz. Um, we but are I, actually like Blitz. Yeah, right. We actually spent some time with Klaus in the afterlife. Um, he sees the person on the bike, uh, and the person's like, "Yeah, you died like fifty times, but you always returned uh, here." And that's when you kind of find out that he's a bit immortal. Um, he reconnects with his dead mother, tells him not to mourn, seek a sense of purpose. And I think that's where he decides to go to his dad. Um, Five and Lila return They with the destroyed briefcases. They're like, the commission's gone. The briefcases are gone. We're dealing with the Kugel Blitz. We're dealing with the grandfather paradox. It's going to randomly collapse all of existence, eat everything like a, like a black hole. Uh, Diego finds out the stand accidentally killed Klaus and comforts him. But as they move his body, Klaus returns to life. Uh, Lila and Diego restart their relationship, um, which I thought was pretty cool. She's kind of been playing hard to get for this whole season up until this point, but we realized that she was kind of putting up a, a front. Well, as- I understand what happened because it, it took me, I think a, it took me a second rewatch of that, of that specific episode. Like, well, the beginning anyways, like I had to rewatch that Lila episode to figure out that she didn't know her mother killed her. Mm-hmm. Original. So when that whole thing went down with the Swedes, where she let the where like she let like the Swedes kill her and everything, and then the five went back in time and changed it, she had no knowledge because the incident happened after. So yeah, you're right. Incident never happens. She was in mourning of her mother and wanted to go back and see her mother. So she used like the great TV or whatever commission TV. Like you're not. Ah, I forget what it's called. Yeah, switchboard, yeah, great switchboard, or something like that. Yeah, it's like a switchboard that you're not supposed to touch unless you like have authorization. And she went in to see her mother, only to find out her mother killed her. And then five went back, changed things, and then yada yada yada. <laughs> yep. She ended up in Berlin in the '80s, tearing down the Berlin Wall, getting a briefcase. And now this is where I was getting a little confused. Did she, if she, um, if she used the briefcase to stay in the '80s? Or if she used the briefcase to leave the 80s. I would say leave the 80s. Because if so, that means she basically kidnapped a child from the 80s and brought him yeah. in 2018. Yes. Yep. And because he wasn't supposed to be there, he doesn't last there very long. So I guess everything... Which is another... Goes right back to us. It's another part of the Kugel Blitz. Is yeah. You literally took someone out of a timeline. Who knows what they could have been. What they could have done. Yep. The All those uh, desperate to ex- escape her trauma and pain. Who am I talking about? Uh, Lila. No, Allison. Allison oh. uses her powers. Oh, more Allison talk. To force uh, herself on Luther. Yes, very fucked up. You want to? You want? I don't think I have anything else to say about that. I uh, don't. I honestly don't want to talk more. I about think. That. I think the. I think the most heartbreaking thing is there is a look of betrayal in Luther's eyes, and Luther up until this point had been kind of playing a childlike character and so to see that child feel betrayed by someone he cared about and then like she's not even happy he found somebody he's she's willing to ruin it and that realization when that comes down his eyes when he realizes that he can't stop it that if she did want it this way this is what's going to happen that that the loss of that innocence is i guess what, what i'll say also is, i think the a lot of a, a lot of people throughout the series have made it a point that being rumored by her is a sense of betrayal because it's it it's almost a rape of pure inhibitions. Right. It, they're, they they have no consent over full autonomy of their body. Like 
You can literally tell someone, I heard a rumor that you wanted to jump off a bridge. And they'll do like, it. Yeah. And that's it. So, like, rumoring someone that close to you is definitely a betrayal. That's why she got divorced. That's why her second husband in Dallas didn't talk to her for like an episode or two. It was like, you know, it's like, have you rumored me before? How would I know if you've rumored me before? And how would we know that right. we've been? I don't think they've ever openly stated whether or not you know you're being rumored. I don't know if this is some Order 66 type deal yeah. where it but changes your I, programming. But I think with with um, Luther and, and Sloan, I think they finally visually show you, you can fight it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're strong enough, if you have enough mental so ability. That, so that even brings up the bigger statement of how huge of a betrayal of trust and, cons- and consent that is. If you can see yourself literally doing something that you can't stop. And vice versa. If you can see the person that you're forcing to do something actively fighting against it, but you're still going on with it. That's like, not. Exactly. How can you continue to. It's they just made her a villain for no reason. And not even a villain to the plot. I don't know who she was even a villain to or for. Like uh, you can, you could. I mean, you could argue Victor <laughs> Harlan. I mean, sure, but not really because she was willing to help Harlan and Victor until the. She reveal. was willing to help Harlan and Victor because Victor said that they can get her back to the timeline. Yes. And past that. I don't think because when she once Victor wavered even the bit that they might not be able to do it, she was over it. <laughs> she that, only wanted she was tunnel vision. She only wanted her family, and and you know she was willing to use whoever she had to for that. Um, uh, so yeah, Luther leaves and he goes to find Sloan because he's like, "What the hell? I don't need any of this stuff." Uh, the rest of the family agrees to hand Harlan over to the Sparrow so they can all focus on the Kugel Blitz. Victor feels guilty about the trauma his parent, his powers have caused Harlan, and so he enlists Allison to sneak him out of the house. Klaus recognizes Five's future tattoo as belonging to a biker gang called the Mothers of Agony, who use who used to sell him drugs. Five goes to the gang's club and finds a grizzled Pogo. Pogo back. The coolest comebacks for a character. Just seeing Pogo tattooing biker gangs with with his own little cut. Yeah. It's and an awesome, like, um, it's an awesome effect, you know, it's an awesome effect as far as like the monkey, the, the actual, the actual monkey. Oh, no, it's, it's one of the best mocaps that we have gotten in a while. And I seriously think it rivals, um, Planet of the Apes and Andy Serkis is a genius. He's a madman. And a lot of the times it's his production company that does mocap, especially when he's acting in it. But the mocap for Pogo is something spectacular. Like you can see the reflections in their eyes. You you can see his like his his hair is thin, so when the air brushes, like you see the streak of it. It's it it's genuinely probably some of the best effects that we have today. Yeah. And if someone wants to And they probably have some leftover Planet of the Ape stuff too. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, put some uh, some of that in there. So we find out in 2014, Pogo was fired after a disagreement with Reginald over the Sparrow's training. But before he leaves, he gives the Sparrows a box of pills to keep Reginald in line. 
In the present, Layla and Diego find a secret tunnel in the White Buffalo Room, and it leads them to an abandoned alternate version of the Hotel Obsidian called the Hotel Oblivion. Yeah, that, that whole Pogo giving um, Marcus a box of pills thing, that was pretty fucked up. Because he was, he was essentially giving them a box of kryptonite for Superman. That's like right, but, a, but a Superman he couldn't trust, right? Because they don't trust Reginald. He don't trust Hargreaves to let these kids yeah, live their so it's like life. Left, like, like, that's like Batman getting kicked out of the Justice League and then giving Green Lantern a box of kryptonite. Like, you know, you know what to do when the time comes, my friend. Yeah. Imagine if the, the, imagine if the only reason the kids were created were to fight these samurai. I think that's the whole perp. I think that was the whole thing. Yes. Wait a minute. Now that I'm thinking of it, he needed seven, seven sacrifices in a sense. Yeah. Because yeah, he needed seven sacrifices. He was trying to reset the world to get his wife back. Right. His wife, whose corpse is right on now the moon. on the moon. Yep. So he always needed seven. I think yeah. his wife died before the 80s. Right. So if his wife died before before the 80s, he needed seven, did the particle thing. And that's why he, he needed so many people to get pregnant, just in case he couldn't get, get the seven. seven. He made seven and he couldn't get them. You know, then then it's pointless. Damn. But true, I think this whole reason of this <laughs> a cat, geez, this is this is worse than the chief. Yeah, this yeah. is worse than the chief. The chief was pretty bad for locking his daughter in Danny Street, but yeah. this is yeah, this is this is jacked up. Makes the cake of fucked up parents. You think Paul Kent is bad? I think this man makes Paul Kent look like seventies Paul Kent. What did you guys? What did you think of? Um, Luther being offered to join the Sparrows, getting the coat, all that stuff. I knew I knew it was a play from the others, but I genuinely knew Sloan wanted that. Like Sloan yeah. would be happy to have something like that. It, it's like it's like it's like uh, getting hired at your girlfriend's job, but hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah. you only got hired because the boss is someone that actually likes your girlfriend, and he wants to keep an eye on it just to make sure the relationship goes sour, and he can swoop in. There was, there was a lot of, you, like, there was almost nobody you could trust in this show. In this right. season, specific, in this season specifically, there was almost no one you could trust. Because Lila was, Lila was lying to Diego. Stan was helping the lie. Reginald always lies. Ben and Faye were doing their own, Ben, Faye, and Christopher were doing their own thing. You uh, don't even know what, what team Christopher is on. Christopher is just Christopher's following anybody he wants to. Basically, he wants everyone. He's like showing his loyalty to Ben. The next minute, he's showing his loyalty to Faye, and I'm just like, bro, you are a floating cube. Pick a side, dude. I'm. I'm we're gonna have to make that it's always sunny meme and just have Christopher. It's like you know, I'm playing both sides, so I always yeah, come out always come out on top. And because he's a boxer, he does always come out on top. Uh. Pogo tells Five that the symbols on the tattoo are connected to something called the Hotel Oblivion, Project Oblivion, I'm sorry. Lila and Mr. Diego that Stan is not actually their son, and they're just trying to kind of see how he would be as a father. It's a big thing to drop. There was, okay, her motivation, and it's, it's, it's beautiful because she's a liar, and she's crazy, and even it was brought into the open when he's like, are you nuts? And she's like, you met me at a mental hospital. And yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, Diego, she got you there. You can't, you can't say she's crazy and not acknowledge the fact of where you two met in the first place. Right. She, 
it's like one minute she just wanted to get revenge on Diego just for fun. Right. Then it was just not revenge. It is fun. Then it's a, oh, I actually love him and I want to spend time with him, but I'm so fucked up in the head. I don't know how to actually be a real person. And it's almost realistic in a sense, not just women's emotions, but just a crazy person's emotions in general. Like, yeah. it, like she is probably one of the most realistic characters that this show has gotten next to Klaus. Was she someone who'd never had a, and like, she gives like a heart, a heart wrenching speech about like, she doesn't think she deserves family because she never had one. So even though she wants one now, she's never had one. Huh? It's her family was stolen. That's what's, that's what's so sad about a lot of these characters that they're torn and broken and they feel like they don't deserve love and friendship. It's you didn't come from a broken home. Some characters did, but you came from no home. You, you, your, your life was stolen from you without ever being axed. You know, you have those exceptions like Superman that didn't grow up on Krypton. He was a baby when he got sent here. But then look at characters like, you know, Supergirl, who remembers her planet fully well. It, it sucks when these characters think that they don't deserve love when really you just were never given that opportunity. You were not even given the opportunity. Your opportunity was stolen before you ever got a chance to even understand. As I said, they, they were never given a chance. They never even had a chance. They took The chance was taken away from them. And that's that's jacked up. Um, uh, Harlan and Victor find a way for Victor to take back his powers from Harlan. Klaus tries to form a bond with his father and asks why Reginald in the original timeline tried to kill him over and over again. To figure it out, Reginald decides to experiment by electrocuting Klaus to death. Um, a guardian attacks Lila and Diego in the alternate hotel and cuts off two of Diego's fingers. They escape through the tunnel in time to see Stan consumed by the Kugelblitz. While Victor is recovering, Harlan lets slip that he let, killed the Umbrella's mothers. And so in retaliation, Allison kills him and delivers his body to the Sparrows. How do you think, how do you think, how do you think Allison killed it? That was so dark. They just literally, just, and they didn't just kill a kid. They disintegrated him like a Dr. Manhattan bomb, like. It was brutal. And then you just get that final shot of the episode of a dead Harlan in the trunk of the car. And I'm like, yo, did this show just kill a, a kidnapped child and an autistic adult with severe parental issues and powers he can't control all in like one? But it's because it's 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 warranted because she went through trauma. And that's why I said a villain is somebody <laughs> who thinks that everything that they do is justified because they were hurt. And a hero is somebody who chooses to make sure that no one else gets hurt as a result of them. That's why Klaus is a hero. I was just thinking that in my head. Klaus is 100% the hero. Because he could have let Reginald be abused and drugged up and all that kind of stuff, and he chose not to. He chose to save somebody. Um, so One of the funniest shits in the world where he oh, I mean, I, No, no, real quick, before we get there... How do you think Allison killed him? Uh, she had to have rumored him. It could be anything. We didn't see it. You can make it up here. If I'm guessing, I say, uh, I heard a rumor. You stopped breathing. <laughs> Man, I think she'd. Part. I think she'd watch him 
asphyxiate himself. Sure, I, that, it, I think she would watch him asphyxiate himself and then just really give the body she over. Would go that hard? Yeah, man. She, I mean, she already killed him. <laughs> she got a body. I mean, I don't want to say she would go the 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 purple man route. Right. Yeah. But I think she would go the Kilgrave route. You say you think he shot? You think she got shot? Like you think she no? I think physical harm. I, I think she. I think she did the five thousand cuts. Yeah. Or whatever. Some sort of torture method that killed him. Some some sort of torture method, but I mean, like he was seemingly in the trunk, unmaimed. Yeah. So that's why I go suffocation. Maybe I heard a rumor you suffocated and you stopped breathing. That's so jacked up. That's so so like, I heard a rumor you stopped breathing and then she puts him in the trunk. Like, I heard a rumor you got in the trunk. I heard a rumor you stopped breathing and then just closes the trunk. Like, yeah. And then gets him over to the sparrows. And you can't breathe in the trunk as it is. Right. So. Yeah, you're done. Oh, it's so dark. And it's like, you know, it. for me, it's, I feel bad because he's a literally an on the spectrum kid that does like, he's an adult but he still has the mind of like a 15 year old and yeah. you can tell with the incredible acting of the way he never makes eye contact or when he puts on the headphones yeah um, like he's like a little to, to center himself yeah and it's like they are doing such a perfect job of making him be realistically on the spectrum and then dead body in the trunk of a car and i'm like what the fuck is this show Awesome. Like, like it proceeded to just not stop because at the end of the first episode, we have the, the Kugel blitz in the basement, the killing of Marcus. Then we have the Kugel blitz keep going, but now we have a uh, Stan and Lila in the mix. Like the show just introduction, kept- introduction of Harlan, all this kind of stuff, the stuff about their mothers. And now um, we deal with the death of the handler when you see Lila travel back, you know, after after finding out that her mother killed her, she goes to West Berlin in 1989. And I love all this 1989 stuff because I was born in 89. Um, she retrieved the hidden briefcase planted there by the handler. She then so joins our umbrellas and our sparrows. Yep. 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 Just well, you're eight, you was in 2018 anyways. Yeah. Uh, she joined Trudy's punk rock band and recruited Trudy's son, Stan, in her plan to trick Diego. In the present, Allison is remorseless about murdering Harland and antagonizes Victor over it, blaming him for her loss. Would you like to talk about this confrontation? <laughs> this, what got me about this confrontation was um, Luther and Diego. Yeah. If them literally saying, all right, that's enough. All right, that's enough. Allison, that's enough. Like, what are you doing? And Ben's watching the whole thing. He's like, oh, my family fights the same way. And they're like, yeah. And I love like, that Diego's like, no, we don't fight this way. Yeah, that, that's what threw it over for him where I started feeling a little bit cold about genuinely enjoying the scene because the, act, the actors were doing their thing. The writing was really good. But then you have to go into the mind of these characters. Like I, that's why I love about storytelling. I love soaking up all of this content. I love throwing myself into the mind, not just from an empathetic sense, but what if these were real people that had real human emotions and feelings, how would they feel in that scene? So Diego saying, telling Ben, nah, man, we don't fight like this. I'm like, Oh, also, you know, the reason why I think they did that was because one could argue that fight would have happened between Luther and Diego in season one. 
it, it, it almost boiled down to it. You know, so for those two who are constantly at each other's neck to be like, yo, y'all two got to get a little bit. They just fought in season one. Yeah, yeah, they did. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's their thing. (laughs) So when they see the other two doing it, they're like, yo, if if we know that this is over the top, then y'all need to now need to relax. And we find out that that I guess her powers got amplified through being next to Harlan. Now she could just say things like shut up. And I mean, I heard a rumor you can't breathe or whatever. She almost died. Victor almost couldn't breathe because she couldn't talk. He couldn't talk because Allison just said, shut up. And it forced his mouth closed. Yeah. And then five is just like, and, and like, wait, how the hell did you do that? No. How did you do that? And I can like, say like, he's going past all everything else. He's a, he's but, a fucking adult. But, he's but like, interest. that's the best part. It wasn't interest. It was scared and concerned. It was yeah. like one of the first times that you see a look of scared shock in five's face where he's just like, Allison, everybody's coming at a different point. Five wants to know what the hell's going on with this. Diego just found out with Luther that their mothers had gotten killed by Harlan. You know, there's question about whether Victor should have went on his own with Harlan in in the first place. So everyone has different concerns at this fight. You know, so like they're not trying to pick sides; they're trying to figure well, yeah, out what's they going did down. Get mad at Victor because it's like you know you're, we're supposed to be a team effort, and you made a decision without the team. And that that I think is when Five has had a heart to heart with Victor, and then he's like, and oh, Allison is Allison's turning the knife as they're as they're as they're blaming Victor. Allison's turning the knife, and that's when they start to say, "Relax, you know, relax." And she keeps she's drinking, and she just keeps amping and amping and amping. And they're like, "Yo, for real? Like we about to do this?" Because I think even they knew at this point when it came down to who Harlan was, and they knew who that they knew the kid because they hid yeah. out at this. They got to hide out at sissies so they got to meet that family for at least a second they know how much that person meant to vanya in the past yeah so they knew that it's like okay these are below the belt shots right like like allison genuinely was taking and none of this is going to get you back what you want none of this is going to get you back what you want all this yelling this screaming this manipulation this murder none of it will so but that's how she feels she feels like there's nothing nothing matters anymore because she can't have her family yeah. Um, Lila Sloan, Christopher, and Victor combine their powers to trap the Kugel Blitz inside of Christopher, and it's done. They did it. They, it's Kugel Blitz is gone. Christopher's got it. It's over. Even though we only have like four episodes left. Right when that happened, Grace tried to kill them with a flamethrower. So that was pretty funny, and they had to put her ass down because she they were trying to crazy. fight God. She's just walking in like. <laughs> She's walking with the flamethrower like, God does not want you to touch that. God did not say you could do this. What are you doing to God? Super creepy. Uh, Reginald repeatedly kills Klaus to Cats in the Cradle to increase and the speed. Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> of his reanimation and then takes Klaus to confront his fears in a graveyard where Klaus successfully exercises the ghost. The, the, the best part about that whole Klaus arc was when he when he was trying to convince Luther and everybody that that dad is cool, you know, this is this is not our timeline dad. He's like I even I even played catch with them. Luther's like, "Wait, what? You played catch with dad?" It's like, yeah. "Yeah, we call it bus ball. It's kind of our thing." Yeah. <laughs> like so heartbroken. It's like, "Wait, yeah. you got to play catch with them?" But if he realized what it was, what it was really what it really, really was, I don't think Luther would be <laughs> that jealous. Um, like I said, he he kills it in this. This is probably the least like 
the most reduced Klaus has been in this season. He led, led a whole cult last season, and before then, he did a lot in season one with well, his I drugs on and off. Five is like the power that five had in that first season is that you didn't need him a lot because when he was on screen, he was killing it. Yeah. And now the same thing with Klaus. It's like it's the reverse of the fact. He's so confident that you could just do a five minute scene with him and you get your fix. Yeah. Like you don't like you don't need a lot of Klaus to get the perfect amount of Klaus and everything that he's been doing from the way he's been like selling the, the facial expressions is just perfectness. And him just continuing to want to be a part of Reggie's life is just great when he's wearing the wetsuit and jumps into like the sewer end yeah. of the house to go find the stuff and yeah, when, he, he, when he finds when he finds hargreaves it's like hey <laughs> knew that that this used to be a spot that he would sneak into when he would sneak out yeah so he already had the wetsuit when he took off like the big trench coat he had the snorkel and everything they just... nail they nail black sheep with him they nail family black sheep with him he it uh it's it's fantastic um so uh at the academy the group celebrates saving the world and luther proposes to sloan who accepts um and he made it himself from a moon rock and he bought a rock from the moon and he knew he needed it for a special occasion he gave it to her twine and, so moon sweet. Rock. and the whole world's getting eaten or at least it's dark and cloudy it, it is one of the most gorgeous set pieces in one of the most darkest contexts that you could ever imagine just he's literally proposing to her and you just see buildings at this point it's not even a because um when Faye and chris went to turn their back on ben Faye, the idiot she is decided to do a little cheers with a wine glass and unlock the kugel blitz again yeah um chris this, just explodes the kugel blitz is out kills Faye. yeah because um, this time not that thing where it's just it opens and closes opens and closes now it's legit just a black hole an orange reversed black hole in the sky pushing out waves that destroy and 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 basically consume anything that it touches um before that happens lila reveals to diego that she is pregnant with their actual child and she pretended to stand with her son to kind of see how diego was as a parent and gives kind of him an out like you don't have to be around for this but i kind of want this but i also it's not cool to say that i want this so if you don't want this then i don't have to want this kind of stuff it's it's really heartbreaking it it, it is because it, it it's someone who never wins feeling like she might be winning and it's almost a shame to embrace it and then she she got the right guy because you can even you can tell way back in like the third episode of season two diego actually loves lila like that was someone that was like almost a love at first sight type thing but you know he's been locked away for like two years in a mental home being tortured by this girl for like two years like 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 when they introduce her she's stealing his pudding cups and he's like oh come on you're gonna steal my pudding cups again like but I always thought that she was planted, right? And I think she was planted. But the idea that she's escaped all of that, she's past the handler, she's past the commission, she's past all of that, and she wants to be with Diego. You know, she, she's incredibly honest towards him when she wants to be. Honest that reveals a level of vulnerability, which is always hard to do. You always want to look like the coolest person in the room, you know? It just became just couple goals out of nowhere like when he like throws he like throws something at her and he's like hey listen i choose you instead of 
going on this mission. It's like I rather oh, because they said yeah, you either gonna deal with the Kugelblitz or go on the go to the party, go to the go to the, the wedding, uh, the wedding. Yeah, and he makes his choice. Or like um, when they're in Hotel Oblivion, and he like locks her in the fucking the room. I love you so much. What does he say? I love you so much. Or something like that. When she sees him again, she's like, "Oh, when she I love that man so much." (laughs) She gets she gets really mad. She smacks him in the face, and then she makes out with him really hard. And I'm like, "God damn it! Why?" It it was the whole him running running into the 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 fire, saying, "Well, not fire, but him running into into that fight, saying I'm protecting my family." And I'm like, "God damn it!" Diego has always been someone that's in my top three. Like yeah. it was always cl- like in this ranked order, Klaus five, Diego, those three were always some of the biggest reasons why this show is what this show is. And yeah. they just continue to make these guys better and better. Having Diego be like the, the stand in Batman in season one, but then you give him a real genuine emotional arc towards his father yeah in season two and now he's he is the father for season three it's 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 just kiss it's yeah because remember how crippled he was by 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 like any kind of negative reaction from his father stuttering and all that kind of stuff it comes back once in this stuttering came back with his fight with lila Mm -hmm. once yeah cried i genuinely almost cried because he's just like what are you doing and then he just runs away. I'm like, oh my god, how did you bring the stutter back out in this man? Yeah. When he brings uh, when the stutter come back out in Diego, honestly, it does make me emotional. I like it. You, he you're becomes like, a kid again. You're kicking a wounded deer in my eyes. It's like choking the little mermaid with a bike chain. Oh dear. No, it's so like, and and I guess it's because the people that put up the biggest front end up cracking the fastest mm-hmm. always make me emotional the the stoic no emotions face the ones that i hate the world and i don't need love but they're the ones that are like crying the hardest that that kind of uh, stuff which is a bit of what i that's why they're perfect together because that's exactly what lila is oh yeah 100 percent. we find out in 1918 that Reginald Hargreaves began construction of the Hotel Obsidian. During its grand opening, he sent a bunch of soldiers into the secret tunnel, but they all get slaughtered. In the present, Reginald and Klaus arrive at the hotel, but none of the siblings are interested in what Reginald has to say. <laughs> it's so funny, the role reversal. Because in this moment, you still believe that this is a brand new Reginald. Like, he's happy and he's, he's you know, he may be a bit mischievous with trying to kill his son and stuff like that, but ultimately you find out it was for a purpose and Klaus did learn something. He did get better and more, you know, inept at what his, he was able to do. Um, but I love that everyone's like, yeah, no, screw that. Luther and Sloan throw themselves a wedding, leaving Ben bitter about not being invited to Luther's, bachelor, eh, Luther's bachelor party. Sloan calls him out for his, like, mopey attitude, telling him to stop relying on being in charge. Um, what did you think about that? What did you think about Ben being upset that he wasn't invited? Um, I I think it's because for like most the like the entirety of that season, I mean, he was even he was like trying to figure out why that family was like treating him like they knew him, and that he was like, good, and also that he was good. 
That was and, a and, big thing, right? Every time he did yeah. something like assholery, they'd be like, oh, our Ben would never do that. Our Ben would never say that. He's like, stop calling me your Ben. I'm not that Ben. Why do you guys love him so much? Yeah, so that whole, like, especially at Luther's wedding when him and Klaus were talking and Klaus was just getting to talk about who Ben to him was, it's like, damn. So that entire family was assholes, but Ben was the asshole that, kept everybody together mm-hmm. yeah and, and and you can you could just it, it's brilliant direction so you could just see how every time someone was interacting with that ben they were they were treating it like like if it was some sort of sibling rivalry they weren't treating him like an enemy they weren't treating him like someone to hate even even five which is one of the which is one of the funniest but coolest moments in like the beginning of the series of the season when five is like, even, you know, even though we're fighting and you're a total dick, it is really good to see you again, Ben. Yeah. And I'm just like, God, <laughs> they and Klaus was the closest to him. You know, Klaus was, was the one, you know, th- that got to see him the most after his death. Got to really hang yeah. with him. Got to, you know, they had a whole arc in season two. Yeah. Because I think they, when they, they, he died at like 15 years old, I think it was. Yeah. He died when he was a teenager ish. Yeah. And I think not too long. I think it was um five disappears and then not too long Ben after Ben dies. And then during Ben after Ben dies, that's when Klaus starts hanging out with him again. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's so that whole that whole wedding scene of just him explaining Ben and Ben just getting drunk and trying to be a part of it. I'm just like, you know, why does this show do these things to me? Why do I get these emotional releases I get? Yeah. It it like I said, this all builds off of our knowledge of these characters, which they expertly put together. Um, Reginald attempts to be fatherly using Klaus's coaching at the wedding reception and delivers a surprisingly moving speech about death. <laughs> it was the weirdest poem that one could read at a wedding. It was weird. And maybe he was reading it because he was getting ready to gear them up to all be slaughtered. <laughs> Victor tries to pass things up with Allison at the wedding because they both agreed to, you know, be behave at the wedding, but she refuses to forgive him, and they almost cause another big scene. Come on, man! The hell, still, still, golly! Klaus and a drunken Ben begin to bond. That's when. He, that's when. Yeah, that's when he's saying, "Come on, man! Stop being an a hole." <laughs> yeah. Cool no. Night- it was Sorry. it was kind of sad when like all of the siblings were hanging out on like the patio and like we we've seen it and like we've been to our fair share of weddings so we see it all the time where it's like the bride the groom the best man the bridesmaids and like a sibling mm-hmm. is like chilling on the patio smoking a cigarette drinking like the champagne and and then Ben comes out and they're like oh who invited him who invited him and Klaus. That's Klaus. one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite scenes. All of it. Them getting to the courtyard. Them two walking up. Them giving him shit. Klaus, no, 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 no. It's new Ben. <laughs> Guys, this is new Ben. Brand new. And he's in the family now. I'm like, of course. Like, how could someone who's treated so harshly welcome everyone in? That's a level of love. I hope to aspire to, you know, you don't treat people because of how you were treated or maybe you do treat them because of how you were treated in a positive way. You know, you treat them that way. So they will never be treated the same way you were. 
And yeah, just Klaus being the glue is not an arc I expected out of Umbrella Academy. Like him, him getting like literally the father, the the missing brother, the whole family back together for a wedding. Him trying to push Reggie on everybody. Like, listen, this is not not our dad that we grew up with. This was an actually a good father that we grew up with. Or this is new Ben. He's redeeming I, other people. He thinks that there's there anyone can start have a second chance and start fresh. You know. Because if and because as my man said it better than anyone else in the world. He is sexy trash. Yeah. And only sexy trash can be. He knows what he is, and he is sexy trash. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that them all out there drunk on the uh, on the uh, they're all out there, but Allison, by the way. I should just also let that be known. Yes. Yes. And that they they could never be in a just a positive group, all seven of them. Yeah. They can't just the, the show just refuses to put the seven of them in a moment where they can just be siblings. Someone had always a, has to be missing. I think they had a really cool dance montage of the party. Like, I thought all the party shots were, were pretty. And like I said, you sit there and your first thought is what a lot of people say. Why this? Why now? Literally, we're minutes away from the apocalypse. And then your mind kind of goes, then why not? Why yeah, not? If why this not? is the end, why not? And watching them all dance in slow motion at the wedding was very cathartic it was very after seeing everything they had been through Lila's up there dancing reggie, with them you know yeah even reggie was just like doing like this but he was still moving like yeah they were enjoying each other's company and that's what family is it was, it was almost the 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 club scene in the suicide squad it was it, it was like that mixed with the i think we're alone now dance from the first season and if anything it brings that I think we're alone now dance, the very first dance this series ever gave us. I think it, it like brings it full circle to now that I don't know. The entire family is together at Luther's wedding. And as Luther says, that's all he ever wanted. Yeah. And then the way he puts it makes me think of like, this is the way I'm going to think about family now. He All he ever wanted was for them to come together when it mattered. And that's all family really needs to be. They don't need to be in your face 24-7. They don't, you don't need to be in their face 24-7. So long as everyone's able to come together when it matters and support each other when they need it, that's that's family. You can't, you can't argue past that. No, and if there's one thing that this show has expertly shown is the realism of family. I don't live with my siblings. Me and my siblings don't talk every day. And to be honest with you, sometimes me and my sister don't get along. But that's okay because we've all been there for each other when it mattered the most. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and, and it's just, be- it's in, in all of the chaos that we have gotten in the last, I would say maybe 12 years of comic book media of all of the chaos. Every time we get those little sprinkles of family dynamics, mm-hmm. it just, it make it makes everything balanced. So, you know, you go you go from watching Civil War to watching Guardians of the Galaxy and you're just like, you know, I needed this. You go from watching The Boys to watching Miss Marvel and you're just like, see, everyone needs that palate cleanser. This is just a and this is just the weirdest version of a palate cleanser because it's so balanced. Where you can get chaos, dark subject matter, crazy, crazy adventures, but they all dance at a wedding and everything just feels better in yeah. my opinion. And, and it felt earned. 
you know, I'm always yelling about things not being earned. Like, where did that come from? Um, and even though it's a beautiful night, five drunkenly overhears Reginald talking and making a deal with somebody in the White Buffalo room. Who is he dealing with? Boom, boom, boom. Oh, I could only let me guess. That's the only person that wasn't in the previous scene when when five was getting drunk. A hungover five desperately tries to recall who he was making a deal with, or who Reginald was making a deal with. A meeting is called by Reginald, who explains that he built the hotel Obsidian around the portal to the universe's reset button, which requires seven people to pass through the secret tunnel and ring seven bells protected by a guardian. When the bells I mean, ring, found a guy. Like okay, and and why would a portal to the? It, it's a portal to the to the hotel that unlocks the door to the reset button of literally all reality of every timeline uh-huh why is it on earth in new york or where 1918 new york would be because that's where they are right they are in like new york or some kind of metropolis area there's not really many metro- famous metropolis areas in america you could choose Right. And a lot of like brownstone houses throughout Umbrella Academy. So they have to be in New York. So why would a portal right. to a door? To a I don't understand why you need another uh, another hotel, but maybe I got to read Oblivion and figure out what the hell's going on with that. I, I, I think it's more of like a, like the upside down in a sense. Yeah. Cause when they went through the door, everything was backwards in the hotel. Either painting things from men to women or um, taxidermied heads were now taxidermied asses. That's terrible. Uh, they say that when the bells are rung, the universe will be rebuilt. So Allison, Lila, Klaus, and Ben agreed to the plan, but Diego, Victor, Luther, Sloan, and Five outvote them and choose to say. So Allison gets super pissed about all of this. Apologizes to Luther and Victor. Victor. I think she calls them pussies, if I'm not mistaken. Victor correctly believes that she's lying like i don't that felt weird and luther also believes that she's manipulating him um when luther goes to speak to reginald about everything reginald murders him blames that on the guardian that was actually i did i didn't expect that no that was an alien murder too he didn't do it with like a gun or anything like that no he gave him a hug and stabbed him and then he he with his clawed hand or whatever. And he's twisting the knife by saying, remember, my boy, a long time ago, I told you there's only two things that bring a family together, a wedding and a funeral. The wedding didn't work. Let's see if the funeral has a chance. I'm like, so you dark, so bastard, like just no quality of life. And and we just had all those brilliant moments with Luther early on, which was such, which was so heartbreaking. And um, like, I, like I said, again, I'm really sitting here like, wow, we're really going back on Reginald Hargreaves. He really still is an asshole. Like, they're solidifying that. So they're getting to the point that he's going to have to be the person to beat. Well, at this point, at this point, I think we're the, we're the assholes because he literally killed himself to get the family together to kill Vanya. That was the original plan in season one. Hmm. Because he knew Vanya was going to destroy the world. Because five already messed up by going back and the dropping the information. Homie killed him. Yeah, when yeah, when he went when five left, he he had already saw the pre-destroyed Vanya world. Yeah. Yeah. Cause of Leonard Peabody. So now 
we have this dude again in the 60s setting up some kind of Illuminati organization just to kill them all. And you we already knew he had plans to kill Kennedy to blame it on something. I think he wanted to start like some kind of war. Like we 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 have for three seasons now have been shown that Reginald Hardgrave does does not care about anybody. And I guess time doesn't change it as well. <laughs> um the times, timelines, hanging out with sons, nothing changes the fact that that man has no humanity within him. Um, I love that five figured out that Allison was the one who talked to Reginald. McKee just sussed it out. He was like, Yeah, you know what? He didn't make a deal with dear old dad or whatever. Uh, the group flees through the secret tunnel as the Cougar Blitz consumes the hotel. I think it's a beautiful effect watching the Cougar Blitz just eat that whole block and just leave the hotel for last. <laughs> Some way, somehow. It's just beautiful visual effects. And they also got around the COVID of it all. Very minor other characters past the sparrows and the umbrella. Um, yeah. You keep yeah. Other than, uh, other than extras that were getting eaten by the Cougar Blitz. You mostly keep it in the hotel or the academy. You went to a couple of other places, but nowhere was really. Yeah, almost in a sense of like, it was a bottle season. Bottle season, yeah. No, yep. because especially like at least that latter half of once the Kugel Blitz is eating everything, like then they escape to the hotel. That's it. You're in the hotel for like the next couple of episodes. You're in yeah. areas of the hotel, but you never leave the hotel for like the rest of the series once chris once christopher blows up the kugel blitz and just when you think that uh luther's death will be the most heartbreaking everyone go everyone decides that they're going to go through the secret tunnel and uh reginald is second to last klaus is last uh reginald pushes him out of the doorway thanks him for his help and tells him that he's just too much of a liability and closes the door well see that one did that one didn't affect me because I knew he was going to come back. It affected the betrayal. Affected me. Oh no, one hundred percent. The betrayal has got me. Not the yeah. death necessarily, because what did it, what does any of it mean with the end of the world and wherever they're going to go next? But the look on Klaus's face when he tells the him sadness, that sadness, that sadness. Like that no matter what, it's still you're still the black sheep. We still you're still too much of a liability, you know. And he wouldn't even be in the right frame of mind to do this plan if it wasn't for Klaus. And so. then when he comes back, Reginald doesn't even care. He's like, oh, wow, you actually could come back? I didn't know that that was going to happen. Listen, I don't have time to yeah. next time. But he's like, we're going to go over the experiment next time. Right now, you have to go. And hits him in the head. Yeah. I'm like, you son of a bitch. Uh, Reginald 5, Allison, Victor, Diego, Lila, Sloan, and Ben arrive at the Hotel Oblivion, where 5 tells Victor what Allison did. So they all argue about that. In the afterlife, and she's like, "Oh, you know, the because they they thought that she was down with the plan all the way up to killing the two brothers," and she's like, "No, I just, you know, I was down with the plan." Um, in the afterlife, Luther convinces a reluctant Klaus to return to the living world. That was very fun, seeing the brothers in the afterlife, both Luther and Klaus, <laughs> hanging out in their beach chairs, uh, watching documentaries all day. Uh, they all basically watching documentaries, and I love, I love it when he's like, "Klaus, Dad is an alien." Listen, you know that's not very PC. Like, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I know he's from Britain. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, we we gotta go back, and he's like, 
no, man, I'm over it. I think I kind of deserve to be here. I think I'm going to just chill out here in the void. This is my place. These are my people. <laughs> I was like, golly. Great. Uh, the group split up to search the hotel, looking for the bells. Uh, Reginald summons the, great, the three guardians to attack them, and the group manages to kill two guardians. Allison admits to Victor that she made a deal with Reginald, but had no part in the brothers' deaths. Klaus returns, exposes Reginald's treachery. Five, five spots the symbol for the seven bells on the lobby floor, but the last guardian severs Five's arm. Victor, Diego, Lila, Sloan, Klaus, Ben, and Five activate the symbol, which kills the guardian and begins draining their powers to charge the reset button. Okay, the guardians being like a million roaches controlling a, a, a body. Was, yeah. I, I love the umbrella, but I think that was one of the instances where I said, I don't need this. <laughs> a lot of, yeah, that was really, really. And it gets, it gets, it's just the way like they came out the mouth and just it was just too much. I'm not I'm not a fan of insects crawling out of bodies. It reminds not, me of spiders, man. Oh, no, 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 that too. That too. I don't I just I don't like the idea of insects being able to crawl out of crevices of humans. Oh, Not a fan. Um, so yeah, they're getting their powers drained. They're definitely dying. Allison's like, oh, I gotta do something. So she kills Reginald, cuts his head out, cuts his head. She gave she gave him the the Oranishi treatment. Yeah, cut, cut, cut she that head that open. Oranishi. They and then she also hit the reset button. They get to the rebuilt universe. Allison is reunited with Claire and Ray, who's not his daughter. The other survivors realize that the Hotel Obsidian is gone. No, but that's what I was going to ask. When he reset reality, did he just kill that guy? Like, does that guy? Oh, the guy from the hotel. Yeah, no, the Patrick. The Allison. Oh, oh, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think there's a lot of shuffling going on. That's gonna we're gonna have to answer for. And what's funny is. I, I I had this thought prior to this episode, but I was like, you know, they're not showing Luther a lot in the in the monkey in the monkey getup. It's mostly in the in the shirt and the hoodie and stuff like that. And then in this episode, he is not monkey anymore. He's they've given him back his regular body. The time that they showed him as a monkey because remember he was hiding, he was hiding it in the in season one because no one knew that happened. Yeah, because no one was around. The, the Luther was the last to leave. And it was right. a mission Luther went on alone that mm-hmm. he turned him into the monkey. So no one knew about that until Diego like cut into his jacket. Right. And everyone saw, oh my God, he's a, he's a freaking monkey. And then they were like, you know, but which is, I know I'm bringing up season one, but it's a testament to that family when they find out Luther is like a monkey from like the, the neck down and they bust his chops in a loving way. And it's well, like, well, they're not, in front of him like they're it trying sets to sets the precedence for victor it sets the precedence for that we we ha- we've seen the family accept their family members in given different lots you know um so it makes 100 I mean, percent sense that they would like klaus like they they don't seem to like bat an eye at klaus's like um drug behavior yeah and yeah you can look at it as oh well they just don't give a damn or i don't think it's that they don't give a damn i just think they can trust him enough to you know be fine yeah and it has gotten clean so but yeah it does set a precedence that the family accepts their siblings and it's stuff like that but yeah we don't get much of him in monkey suit which is no. kind of messed up 
and then the monkey stuff is gone. It was really heartbreaking looks, when we were watching his his thing. Weird. When we were watching his um his space scenes, that was pretty rough. Watching him grow his oh, hair, his beard, and cry, and we couldn't, we didn't have to go back to that again. No, we, we did, we did because we had to show why he deserved the the happy ending that he got. True, and we also had to. He had it, it's kind of messed up that he was on there, but he was a prisoner there because there was literally a force field around that he couldn't go. Well, it's protecting the mother. Well, it was it was protecting his wife. Yeah, but it's just like. He didn't want. He didn't care about him enough to even fill him in on that. Yeah. That's like, by the way, saying. once you get up there, my wife's up there. It's like no. Uh, oh, you can't get past that. Then you can't get past it. Sorry, I don't know what's up. Um, Diego's fingers. Get a happy ending. Diego's fingers are back. Five's arms back. Sloane is missing, and no one has their powers. Bum bum bum. As Did the siblings begin. The end credit, by the way. Yes. As the siblings begin to explore this new world, a restored Reginald observes the city alongside his wife, Abigail, who is also still alive. There's a bunch of Hargreaves uh, companies. You can see their yeah, buildings. Now, a, a mog, a, a mog, yeah, mogul? Mogul. Yep. Magnite, whatever. Yeah, Magnate, a mogul. Um, in a mid credit scene, we see that Ben rides the same subway in which he was born. So Ben's still out there. I want to, but that's, that's my question. Is he like looking? He, he can't. He has to be looking for his mom, but also, oh, how does this not create a grandfather paradox? I don't know because I don't know what the what universe this is. I don't know what's happened in this universe. It's just like what we did with the sparrows. We won't know until we get back into that season. And it could be the last season. And like you said, they seemingly are done with some of these people's storylines. So I can totally see them putting an end to all of this, it's just, but in it, the best way. How can we? Because... Okay, so now we're back in 2018 again. For, I mean, for, are we back in 2018? I'm. If we're, not, uh, we could be in. No matter where we are, anything past the birth of our main characters would cause a Kugel Blitz if they're not there to be in that timeline. They're essentially walking into a timeline where they can run into their doppelgangers. Or a timeline where I was actually a bit sad because I thought that that was going to happen when Five I, laid that out. We never <laughs> got doppelgangers. When, when when Five laid that out, I thought that that's what they were going to do. But then obviously, like, for the season, one hundred percent, that's going to be a fourth season arc. And they they decided that they weren't going to do it. Um, once once we found out that all the parents were dead, which I think is this, maybe the episode after it's introduced, so you it's it's quashed pretty pretty quickly. But I thought that this was a hell of a season. Um, I have no answers for the next season, but I don't really want any. I, I like them telling me the story that they want to tell me with this. Um, I'm ready it all. They're ready to say, yeah. Like I said, Luke's the, Luke Luther's the MVP, and it's going to be one of those situations where when these two, we might get a, a fight scene with all of them on the same page for the first time when all this is said and done. And that's yeah, and be. it's got to be something better than what we got in the season two opener because I, I loved that season two opener. But man, it was not enough for me. I need more of it. And maybe that's like what I, they're gearing up for. A, a cad to me. I think I've only gotten two, th probably three fight scenes in that entire series of them being the Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that That's really all I got to say about it. I, yes, I really yeah. liked it. I think Luther killed it. Um, um, the dancing stuff was fun. The singing stuff was fun. Hearing Jeremy Renner's version of House of the Rising Sun, really, really fun. 
Um, but yeah, uh, what do you got left on the old Umbrella Academy? It's my favorite comic book show of all time. It's it'll forever be my favorite comic book show of all time, and uh, I love the writing of the boys. The boys is like live action South Park. I love Star Girl. Star Girl is one of the most wholesome, imaginative, and downright perfect shows for young females to look up to. But Umbrella Academy, it, I care about that family more than I've ever cared about anybody else in media. Like, I don't think I've ever truly, genuinely cared about a family the way I care about the hard groups. Like, I yeah. want all to have happy endings. Even Allison and her, and her annoyance, I, I genuinely want all of them to just be happy. When they're not on the same page, I get mad. When they're on the same page, but they're missing a member from the scene, I get even madder. Like, I just, we'll see. We'll see moving forward. If no one else is happy about this future and Allison is the only one happy, will she sacrifice that for the others? No, not a goddamn chance. That's a that's a damn shame. That's a damn I don't think, I don't think Allison, Diego, and Lila will be on the page of changing reality just to get their powers back and stop Hardgraves. I don't think that's something they will give up. I guess one of the questions they're also maybe they're doing a Spider Man thing of you know if you don't if you can't fight them without your powers maybe you don't deserve them. Maybe we see what these guys are, are up to. I love that one of the ways they found out that they didn't have their powers is Diego tried to play with a knife and he dropped it. Oh, yeah. And he, he, it was so simple, too. It's just just yeah. flipping it through his fingers. And then he drops it after, like, the first turn off the finger. And he's just like, oh, well, I guess I don't have powers no more. Yeah, they're done. But It's crazy because he didn't even seem like he cared. No, because he's got his girl now and they're going to have their he's baby. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to live regardless of where they live or how they live. They're and going to live. And they were just facing death a minute ago. Relationship. The beautiful part about that relationship is the fact that when Diego's like, well, what are we going to do now? And Lila's just like, live our life. And then they hold hands and walk away happy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God damn it. That's brilliant. That's, that's, that's some brilliant stuff. Listen, the world is saved. Who cares? We, we don't have powers, whatever. We got each other. Let's walk away. And they That's just it. leave. And That's they just... it, man. Everyone's going to try to find their piece of happiness. You know? And uh, I hope you guys all find yours because Minds is doing this podcast each and every week for you guys, which is available at comicbookclick.com. Thank you guys for listening to this uh, episode. Last week, we had some serious audio issues. I'm so glad to be back on with this, back on with you. Uh, then the comic book man. We're also live on Facebook right now. So I think I'm going to end the Facebook just so that they know what the deal is. And you guys, thank you for watching us. See all you beautiful people and just keep following this, uh, thing that we do here. We're constantly talking about this kind of stuff. So I accidentally turned the recording and not the, not (laughs) live streaming. Um, this is how you turn. Or I guess it's not. Just, uh, I guess you can't do both. No, nope, oh, I guess. No, I think I can. Okay, yeah, I figured it out. I was gonna get a couple of audio clips, but that should be fine. <laughs> um, everybody, everybody, just make sure you're going to comicbookclick.com. It's the one stop for all things comic book click. The major issues podcast, merchandise designed by myself, articles written by us. You're gonna start getting some new articles. I have one up right now about Scarlet Witch and the Multiverse of Madness. Check it out when you get a chance. Consider supporting us one of three ways. You can support us monetarily by giving us money at patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse for as little as 
$3 a month, 10 cents a day, you can help us afford some of the hardware and software. I, we actually had a recorder go out and I was able to purchase another one based on the donations made either by people buying shirts on TeePublic or by people chipping in on the Patreon. So thank you guys for being able to get us to bounce back um, because, uh, you know, we, we do this all for you guys. Um, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It's the quick, quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't. Follow us all over social media, facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or you can use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC. The team is growing. We are doing all we can, and we got some big things ready for the future, so get ready for each and every one of them. Uh, been to the future, and I find out what happens. Our name is in lights. We're there with our dead wives. I can't tell you how we did it because it'll mess up the timeline. And next thing you know, we'll start a Google Blitz and nobody wants any of that. So make sure that you are here for the next episode of uh, the Major Issues Podcast, where I think we're covering Superman and Lois, I think is up next, which you want to talk about gushing. Gush. <laughs> I'm getting ready to gush. But uh, you guys are our family, just like this Umbrella family. Um, so thank you guys for listening to this episode. My name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. I'm a very happy Dan, the comic book man. And this has been our Umbrella Academy Season 3 recap and review. And remember, whether you're a sparrow or you're an umbrella, a white violin or a fiery ball of energy, be nice to your siblings. Dad doesn't always know best. But always remember that you, yes you, are worthy.